There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. UFO. Oh, I'm excited. Good. Good. Oh, you've got you've seen a bit of a UFO up there. Okay. Oh, yeah, Whoa. right up there. I saw a bit of a light up there. Whoa. Okay. Oh, man, it's a bit, you've got a bit of a structure, didn't you? I hear you seeing it. It's got a bit of a structure. It's a little bibbidi boo. Oh, oh. You flippity flop. I get a bit. Now, now you've gone, you gone too far. You were in Yorkshire. Now you're going to Liverpool. You with the bibbidi bop. Oh, bibbidi wop and you're a bit, a bit of an alien you, in there. You, you do the bibbidi bop. He's a bit of an alien. It's been in the UFO there. <laughs> you're the He's from out of town, fall out of town, isn't he? <laughs> now you're Paul McCartney. Don't be Paul McCartney. <laughs> I'm trying. Ringo. Well, I wish. But I'm trying to. This is the problem. Is I know this accent. It's very specific. Mm-hmm. I, I've listened to a lot of Russ Kelly. Yorkshire. And it's Yorkshire accent. Yorkshire? I think I can nasal. It's a bit of a nasal. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you get him and it's a bit of a UFO. UFO. But it's too cute. <laughs> it's very cute. It is too cute. But I also know that he's, but he's a rough and tumble man. He oh, likes yeah. motorbikes. Oh, no. And Bradford, they're fucking vicious. They're very mad. So it's like a cute accent in a very, like, hard group of people. I was watching Canadian <laughs> hockey fights mic'd up, dude. Oh, you bastard. You fucking bastard. Your father was a good player. You're not as good as your father. They're not even that good at insults. They're too nice. But they would also beat the shit out of us. Isn't that weird? But yeah, we still weird. make fun of them as they were doing it. You're like, know. oh, are you doing it right? Yeah. You think no, you're doing it right? I know Russ Keller could beat me into the fu- into sure. a fucking pole. Of course. Yeah, he's yeah. got ropey motorcycle arms. Yeah, but still. He sounds like a lemon. We're still doing this episode. Is it the UFO there? Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. Ben hanging out with Marcus and, of course, Henry as well. Yeah. I'm excited. We're getting back into UFOs. Well, mm-hmm. we I'm excited because we're, you know, we're doing some smaller topics because we've been doing them. It's, we've been doing super long ones. Yeah, so nice and long. It's <laughs> nice to get back into this world as always. All mm-hmm. right, let's talk the Berwyn mountain ufo incident the berwin mountain ufo incident because i'm and i'm also probably sure we're pronouncing that incorrectly it's probably berwin well no i saw it's welsh so it's going to be a strange pronunciation it's berwin berwin yeah that's what i saw you know again as you go through various videos every ufologist says Every single word different than other <laughs> ufologists to make it sound like they know the yeah. real way to pronounce something. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I know this episode won't be boring. <laughs> wow. The Berwyn Mountain UFO incident. Thank you for having faith in the two of us. Yeah, it's been 15 years of proven results. <laughs> in us. It's in the pudding. The Berwyn Mountain UFO incident, known by some as the Welsh Roswell. Or Roswellsh. <laughs> uh-huh. It is a highly debated aerial episode from 1974 in which multiple people reported seeing strange lights that could have been controlled crafts amidst a quaint British earthquake. Hmm. Interesting. So we have. Why say so? Okay. I will push back a little bit. Just because it happens in Hoppeton doesn't mean that the earthquake is cute. It's because no, no, it does. It's a three point four. That's a cute earthquake. Oh, it is. It is a fart. (laughs) Yeah, it's you know the British earthquake. It hurts the earthquake more than it hurts the people. Now, Berwyn Mountain isn't just debated because skeptics believe that they have multiple possible explanations for what those people saw that Everybody's night. Everybody's got fucking five explanations for <laughs> well, fucking f- every single thing they got going on in their lives. It's important to see what it see what it could be, prove that it wasn't, and then it's unidentified. I'm sick of all this sense. Yeah. And this logic. Okay. Well, Berwyn Mountain is also debated because some claim that the actual Berwyn Mountain incident 
is far more cinematic, yeah. exciting, and consequential than the story of a woman driving up a mountain and turning back because the light freaked her out. Hey, man, mm. it, it, to that one woman, that's the scariest story that ever happened to her life. But for the yeah. rest of us, we hate it. That's why it's nice there is yeah. two different versions yeah. of the Berwyn Mountain incident. She made the right decision. Mm-hmm. But before we get into the Battle of Berwyn Mountain and all of the Dulce-style ground battles starring a certain Bradford ufologist, let's talk about the more accepted version of the Berwyn Mountain incident, the MUFON version, yes, let's say. the grounded version. Yes, which is still highly compelling. So on the night of January 23rd, 1974, a woman named Pat Evans, living in northern Wales, was in her kitchen when she heard a loud concussive sound which shook her home. Is that my horse in Barmy waking himself up with the fart in his sleigh? Really nailing that. <laughs> she thought that her range stove had finally exploded as her husband had been predicting for years. You're Husband's- just going to want to get a new one. Every <laughs> once in a while, husband is correct. I'm saying this down the pipe to the camera. Yeah. All right, because as husbands. Only when it comes yeah. to things that might explode soon. Yes. We know that. <laughs> That's about to explode. But nothing. That's with, about to explode. But we're always incorrect when it comes to our emotions. Yeah. Because we That's don't share them. No, uh, because then you do share them and then you have the wrong emotions. Always. <laughs> But no, 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 no. We love it. Yeah. Yeah, we love it. Guys, save it. That's a different relationship podcast. When Marcus and Henry start the relationship show, Patreon exclusive. Patreon exclusive called Husbands Are Correct. <laughs> well, Pat figured that the noise came from the direction of the nearby Berwyn Mountains, located about 50 miles south of, yes, Henry, south of Liverpool, as the crow flies. It's a bit of a UFO on the left there. Uh, so you got to be careful. Got to make a bit of traffic when going downtown there. If I'm a UFO, I'm stopping in Liverpool, dude. They yeah. party. Yeah, they man. party hard. The us <laughs> and those 15-year-olds had quite a night in Liverpool. Yeah. Good God. I hear they party dangerously and with intimidation. They were just, well, they Liverpool. They party to mate. That's what they, they <laughs> literally, it seemed like we were on Rumspringer. No, when we nobody were in Liverpool. there was under, it was weird. It was just nothing but children. It felt like Pinocchio. Yeah. It was like all of these children are out. We had to leave immediately. And then well, we, we stayed got, out we went, all night. But yeah, we did. But then we went to an old man bar, which was nice. That mm-hmm. was fun. Yeah, yeah, that's where we belong. And there was a fight outside. Oh, that's fun. But a Liverpool flight. So they were just like, ouch, ouch, ouch. Yeah, yeah. yeah they didn't shoot each other. It's nice to just see two <laughs> yeah. grown men punch each other in the face. That's yeah. true. Now, Pat first tried contacting her village policeman to report the explosion, hmm. but she couldn't get an answer. No one at the phone. Eventually, she found an authority figure in a seaside town 40 miles north and asked him if there was possibly a plane crash up on the mountain. That was the only thing they could explain for an explosion from the mountain. Yeah, man. This is called what the Internet used to be. Yeah. Calling somebody you'd think might know. Right. (laughs) This authority figure said that Pat wasn't even close to the first person who'd reported the explosion. But as far as the cause, he said that it could be anything, really. Well, then you fucking you got a lot to work with, don't you? Why don't you go figure it out? Nail, narrow it down. Let's just say we've got like 10 different options of what it could be, yeah. right? But what we're going to do here right now mm-hmm. is instead of a bit of an on-the-ground-bibbity-bip kind of action, I'm going right. to do a bit of a thinkity-think up here in my cop hat. You see up here where <laughs> yeah. my cop hat is with that's my bobby, sh- it's my bobby crown. Uh, I'll yeah. go right here. That's called the thinking it. area. Okay, great. Well, let's think maybe. What, what could it be? Yeah. 
And so Pat and her daughters, trained in first aid and Good Samaritans all, they drove up the mountains at around 9.30, 10 p.m. to see if they could help anyone who was possibly hurt. That's oh. why the British made it through WW2, because mm-hmm. they're, self, they're self-reliant. They keep a stiff upper lip, and they get out there, and they do whatever happens, and they never feel anything. Oh, yeah, <laughs> self-reliant, in no way expansionist. No. Mm-mm. Great Indian food for some reason. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. It's Indonesian food. Incredible. This is amazing. Strange. Now, at first, the fear Pat and her girls had upon driving up the mountain was what they'd find when it came to carnage. Like, that's what they're afraid of. What are we going to find? Blood and guts? I don't know. Plane crash? Who knows? See a bit of a lung. A rugby team eating each other. Something could go horribly wrong. Yeah. But when Pat got her first good look at the mountaintops, that fear shifted. Instead of the fiery wreckage of a plane crash, Pat and her daughter saw, sitting at the closest peak, a round, reddish-orange, bright ball floating in the sky. Pat opened the door to get a better look and found that whatever this object was, it made no sound and had smaller white lights dancing around it. Like other orb-like craft we've spoken of recently, Hmm. particularly in the Pennsylvania Bigfoot UFO flap, the object changed color from red to yellow to white, then back to red. I yeah. I just like these stories, too, because they are so similar. Mm-hmm. And these Pat had nothing to do with UFOs no. whatsoever. She was a country housewife, like out there training for say, which is great, but not necessarily like definitely not interested in UFOs. No. Right. And so like seeing this is kind of fun because why would this woman lie? We'll get into it. Mm. Also, if you do have anything on your body that turns a different shade of green, yellow, red, it's melanoma. It's a melanoma. <laughs> or it's mesothelioma. Perfect. <laughs> Mesothelioma. Wow, you know how to say it after I all just... your doctor's visits. <laughs> That's all it takes. What else? They all they just, you, yeah. Have you asked you, like, is it mesothelioma? <laughs> Did you go to Camp Lejeune? You go to enough pulmonologist, you're going to pick up a thing or two. Well, <laughs> it's like your one. <laughs> yeah, He's now the closest I... thing that we have to one. Oh, yeah, I'm going to ask him yeah. about my lungs. If we were all stranded in <laughs> island you are a doctor you're the weakest <laughs> and you've seen the most didn't you technically isn't that how you got carolina's and you said like oh let me like oh i'm a lung doctor let me check your lung fronts no and then you, you examined her boobies to see whether or not they were no we absolutely not that's, lungs, a, that's a horrible story to make up yeah. it's a horrible what? story you're a horrible man you're a horrible we're gonna get back to the Berwin incident but no their first day was weirder he started talking about bones and she didn't leave yes of course and he's like she's the one it was on brand now after watching the object for what felt like about 15 minutes Pat and her daughters decided that this was definitely not a plane crash and it appeared as if there were already people on the scene doing something although it was unclear Mm. what so Pat and her daughters drove home leaving the object behind in their rear view mirror now Pat's story lay fallow for a long time until it was finally unearthed by an extraordinary woman Margaret Fry considered by some to be the great grandmother of UK ufology she is legit Uh, she is a uh, I love her her work She's earnest. She's very similar to what's her name from um uh the, the Mrs. Potts. Who was the talking pot? Murder <laughs> she wrote. She wrote. Angela, Angela, Angela Lansbury. Right. I'm sorry. I didn't reference right. If you saw me, you just if you see the video, because I, I yeah. like, she is built like a teapot. Yeah. So um, what I put a, put a nipple on Mrs. Teapot. But she is a uh it is very very interesting because she. She's just cool, man. She's a fucking UFO gangster. Oh, yeah. She is, man. Very Guy Fieri of you. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's fucking out of bounds. She is out of bounds. 
but raised in India during the British occupation, where she barely escaped with her life at the age of 21 during, you know, the uprisings. Yeah, people got all mad. <laughs> yeah, real yeah, they were mad. upset. They're yeah. like, this is our land. And then the British are like, but what if we have it? And then there's a whole thing. <laughs> I, I don't know what that's like. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Margaret, she was raised in India. India was all she knew until she was 21 years old. Well, if she yeah. wants good Indian food, go to England. <laughs> <laughs> we know that. So when Margaret finally arrived in England mm -hmm. for the first time, she saw it as a dreary, dreadful place. It's rainy. It's not India. It's not India. That's for certain. Yeah. So she spent her life looking to the stars as a way to return to the magic of India. Hmm. I've um, heard India is beautiful. I'd yeah, love I would to go. love to go. My, to go. my older brother was there. He's six foot ten. He's been all over Asia. He's been to Dubai. So I know I can fit. <laughs> he's my little, he's my little, <laughs> he's drone. He's my little tall drone. I'm like, can I fit? He's like, I fit. I'm like, oh, I can fit. Well, among some of the earliest UFO researchers in her neck of the woods, Margaret trained with such British UFO greats as the aristocrat Brinsley Lipwar Trench, hmm. the eighth Earl of Clant Carey. Yeah, you know, oh. it's a lot of names. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a lot of names. We were bringing up, was it Dennis Kucinich earlier with the tall, <laughs> sexy wife? Still it's, a shock. It just seems very... And logs, yeah. right? You're talking to the eighth Earl of, of Dork. Yeah, great. What? Wow. Clant Carty. Wow, Clant Carty. Wow. But Trench was also vice president of Bufora, a member of the Ancient Astronaut Society, and the editor of the Flying Saucer Review. So you can tell me he fucks. <laughs> yeah, I like him. He's interesting. Well, the Earl's specialty was a focus on hollow earth studies, which led this is I'm just, go on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this, so is, this is what I want the royalty to be doing. Yeah. Oh, this yes. is what they should be doing. Oh, oh yes. yes. Yeah. Just focus on hollow earth. Yeah. Well, that led him to the controversial conclusion that the world was not spherical, not flat, but rather sphere-ish. This is what I'm talking about with ufologists. <laughs> what does that mean? It's it's round on the sides. Uh -huh. But flat at the top of the bottom. I just think that I just saw mm -hmm. it's this ufology thing where they have to pick one specific, like very highly specific idea because that sort of makes sense. We're spinning ball. We could maybe be, but how flat? Are we talking like full on like hamburger shape? Pretty flat. That's just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, not maybe not like a, a mesa on top and on bottom. Not maybe not tabletop, uh, but pretty flat. Flat enough. Flat enough. Yeah, flat enough. Where when you know the astronauts mm -hmm. went out and took the picture of the big blue marble, he was surprised. Whatever. Oh, wow. Truly, whatever it takes, you should not have systematic sex with children. Yeah, I'm fine with. <laughs> yeah, it is bizarre though, because the only people that could ever believe what he's saying is a child. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but they just moron. were friends. They were fr those yeah. are his academian like yeah. peers. But I like that ufologists choose majors. No, I get it. I, I want love them it too. Yeah, but <laughs> yes, yeah. it's just more yes. saying like UFO or saying it's saying specific words that they decide are the way sure. you say the words. Affectation. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You fight about that. You don't get to the substance. That's yeah. the idea. For example. I love saying ufologist. You do. Yeah, that's my thing. You're allowed to. I've actually given up that ghost a long time ago <laughs> because I'm not going to control everyone's language because I'm not fucking some kind of Twitter person. No, you're not. I'm looking at, you can say ufologist, even though it makes me mad. It's yeah. ufologist. I, whatever you say, you're allowed to say. <laughs> but you true. notice that's how against it, I can't even say it. Yeah, I know. But I'm just happy to say I won. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, you know what? I, the one thing is about getting older. Let Choose go. your battles. Let go. Yeah, you're really, that's pretty cool, Marcus. <laughs> the way you say that's pretty cool. 
But regardless of how unconventional the beliefs of the Earl of Clantcarty might be, Earl Brinsley Trench was still a highly respected name in British ufology when he was alive. And Margaret, the founder of the Welsh Fellowship of Independent Ufologists, she was one of his top protégés. The reason why they call me the Trench is because the clavicles between my uh, excrement areas <laughs> is so far apart, I do not need to wipe. Deep perineum. <laughs> all right. It's all deep. One deep, <laughs> elongated furry furrow. Mm. And if you were to gaze upon it, you would know, ah, it is too late for me because you are either my dead wife or my proctologist. <laughs> well, fantastic. <laughs> now, Margaret began collecting witness statements concerning the Berwyn Mountain incident soon after discussing it with Pat Evans, almost 20 years after the event. Mm. And she soon found that Northern Wales was quite busy. That night in 1973. Cool. A local hotel manager said that he remembered the incident well because he had been host to military men that night who were all having interesting conversations. Is this Skyrim? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Uh-huh. That's cool. Yeah. Great. The hotel manager. The innkeep? <laughs> yeah, the, in- the innkeep actually has some interesting information. They, like, they know a lot. For me? And, you get, and he does. That's awesome. Yes. He has a mission. The hotel manager said he overheard these military men talking about sealing off an area Hmm. so they could shoo away people. And they needed to shoo away people without explanation. Get Hmm. in your car, turn around, get out of here. But why? Oh, because I just wanted to give a bit of a drivey drive. I was walking Hmm. right here with my car, using my car as my feet. And I was using my eyes with a bit of a looky-loo there, Mr. Military Police Officer, the right then. Absolutely. (laughs) Very good impression. (laughs) Well... This conversation was memorable, he said. Doubly memorable, because there were Americans mixed in with the British. Oh, yeah, because as Russ Kellett says, uh, you know, UK can't sneeze without the U.S. saying it's okay. Yeah. That doesn't make it. You can't sneeze without well, the U.S. It's his, and, yeah, it's just, see, that's a whole thing. Well, Russ Kellett, we'll get to him. I thought they were telling us what to do. Yeah. I, I love him. I, I love his energy. His energy is amazing. The only way I can really Seems say like he's upset. He, in ufology, he's the one I'm of all of the characters I have met in our travels in this world, intellectual travels. I say, bless his heart. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> because yes, he is an he's an interesting storyteller. Yeah. Great. Well, additionally, in the hours before the incident, two long haul truckers claim to have seen a cigar shaped UFO over a nearby lake while they were on the way to the pub. And this is not counting, too, the, a flap of ghost helicopters. Mm. This is another, Nick Redfern was one of those guys, he comes into the story, but he's now obsessed with- How do ghost helicopters? Phantom <laughs> helicopters are another thing, kind of like what we dealt with during quarantine over Denver. Remember the drones that were flying around and they weren't connected mm. to any, they were flying in patterns and they, we couldn't find the origin of them. And no private company was coming out saying what they were. And the U.S. was saying, like, they are not ours and blah, blah, blah. There was something like that that was also happening in the U.K. where you'd see these, like, unmarked silent helicopters mm. going everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he said that that would precede a flap. But they were tangible helicopters. But they, well, according to him, it's people seeing things in the sky that look like helicopters but are not making sounds. Mm-hmm. Well, these guys that were out on their way to the pub sitting next to the lake, they said they watched the cigar-shaped UFO for a bit, then continued on their way. But when they got to the pub, they found that they had been missing hours of time because the pub was closed. 
And they definitely weren't drunk before. No <laughs> way. I, I do. I, it, missing time comes up a lot. Yeah. Yes. And of course, when you are drinking, this is one of the more reliable you can have as a drunk is to make sure you get to the bar on time. Yeah. That is the one so thing you got to do. the one thing you mm -hmm. do know how to do. Now, as Margaret started putting together a fuller picture of Berwyn Mountain, she contacted her boss at Bufora, a woman named Ginny Randalls, who was also receiving information about Berwyn Mountain. Or she was at least receiving stories of aliens and whales. And of course, Bufora, it's a fantastic makeup company for ghosts. For your butts. <laughs> and oh, nice I thought it was going to be for butts. No. Makeup to no. Makeup for and the nice thing about selling makeup to ghosts is you don't got to have no product. Oh, no. shit. Oh, wow. Scam. Are we scamming the afterlife? Oh, yeah, boo, boo for it. Now I boo. get it. Yeah, yeah but it's B-U in this. So. I actually thought of a joke yesterday. I said, oh, great Halloween costume right up top of my head. Boonie rate. Ghost Bonnie Ray. <laughs> So I can come up. You have a fucking Halloween costume. You need an idea? You let me know. I, it's April. Number one is April. <laughs> I know. It's, yeah. that's good that's, that's good why though. I was just like, I'll file it yeah. away. That's, that's yeah. in the old yeah. file there. Yeah. Bufora is the British UFO Research Association. Sure. Yeah. Well, Ginny Randalls had received a note at Bufora, supposedly from the Aerial Phenomenon Network, the APN. This note said that tall humanoid aliens traveling in a flying saucer had landed in North Wales. Yeah, we back to some tall whites. Mm -hmm. Along with the letter was a bizarre tape that I would pay at least 20 bucks to own. Yeah. It sounds so cool. It's a sort yeah. of musique concrete featuring samples of broadcast UFO stories, drunk Welshmen, Nazi marching songs, and an American voice claiming to be the commander of the APN. This right. just sounds like your college radio station. It what does. Is, oh, man, it sounds so cool. This sounds. This is, just, this is the stuff that I listen to at home. Yeah, Nazi marching songs? Well, lot, if it's a, a part of, of a musique concrete. Now, are you saying Nazi marching songs are just German marching tunes that took place during the 30s and the 40s? Probably songs, marching tunes that became associated with Nazis. Because mm, the Nazis, yeah. I don't think had a lot of composers contemporarily. Like, toot, toot goes the jute jute. <laughs> oh, and there's um, everybody one. run from us, we suck. I remember that. You remember that song? <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I love that marching that's, song. I think yeah. It's called Pumped Up Kicks. Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, that's exciting, Marcus. Mm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that'll be the new exercise craze, the Nazi marching, Nazi marching song. Honestly, it's good for the hamstrings. Get those legs up. Absolutely. Right from your grave. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse picks. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me. 
to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now, at first, Randalls dismissed the tape and the letter. But when Margaret Fry called with the story of Pat Evans, Randalls realized that some of the statements and the ramblings meshed with Pat's tale, starting to all come together. Now, from there, the story seemed to take on a life of its own. One night, while Margaret was photocopying an artist illustration of Pat's description of the craft, the thing she saw up on the mountain, the clerk at the shop said that she, too, had been at Berwyn Mountain that evening and had followed that same object until police turned her back at a roadblock. Cool. Now, for years, Margaret made Berwyn Mountain her pet project, and she became known around Wales as the UFO lady. Mm. Unfortunately, though, not much more information came for the next five years until a source passed along information that had been allegedly collected from a high-ranking military officer. And that is a sentence mm. that has appeared in ufology since the dawn of ufology. <laughs> right. The idea of an off-the-record memory <laughs> from a dying high-ranking military officer. Now, yeah. if I, I just wish... One day, maybe I'll set it all up. Mm -hmm. Then I'll have like secret footage in my home. Because mm -hmm. Ross Kellett, too, also has a bunch of UFO footage that no one's allowed to see until he dies. Mm -hmm. And like, just be nice. Though. Like all these secrets. The yeah. CIA guys always like shooting their shot one last grift right before they die. Mm -hmm. I do love it. Yeah. Sure. Well, this officer said, oh, man, wouldn't it be cool if we found out years from now that the C all CIA officers signed a contract that said right before you die, you have to throw one more wrench into the works? That would be incredible. <laughs> well, I think it's a, just a part of the you have to be a professional troll yeah. to want to be in the CIA. And yeah. then you also like, you know what they say, they never retire. Yeah. Never retire. The most recent Pentagon leak. That was a 21-year-old. Yeah, hanging because out in his mom's trying house. to impress other morons on Discord. It's Isn't interesting to see how these massive conspiracies just come from shithead, friendless nerds. But it does show you, though, you can, you don't have to be hanging out with the higher echelon to have some secret no, evidence. So or it just shows how lax all the security is. The fact that you even get to the documents. You know what this guy's showing me? You know what I think is going to be the downfall of civilization? What wieners? Wieners. It's going to be wieners. Nazis were wieners. Yeah. Hot dogs. You know, like, no, no. Like dudes, dudes who are wieners. Mean also, women wieners. can also be wieners. It's, yeah. It's mean, weak people. Wieners. Yeah. yeah. Wieners. Yeah, okay. wieners. They're going to be Come the downfall of all of us. All right. That's why we got to bully more wieners. <laughs> well, that's what makes a wiener. That's the problem. Mm, no, you're born a wiener. Yeah. I'm sorry, but you're born a wiener. Uh, well, all right. Let's cook these dogs. <laughs> cook these dogs. <laughs> Well, this officer, this high-ranking military officer, he said that immediately after the explosion, he and a small team had driven up to the mountain to investigate. And this was odd because the men were already on alert to participate in a quote-unquote exercise near Berwyn Mountain that night, placing them in a prime spot to jump on the scene. Oh, my God, it's oh, such a coincidence a that when this, when this coincidence, when this thing yes. lands on the mountain, crashes into the mountain, oh. there's already military officers in a remote part of northern Wales ready to jump. Okay. This is where Margaret Fry crushed this. So she found that there was records of saying that we had, there was an exercise going on. They She corroborated these stories. She went and got these various witnesses together a bunch of people saw the same fucking thing. They yeah. saw it that night. And then 
cooperating with the, I mean, whatever you think about the innkeep, I mean, obviously his side quest is a pain in the ass. Yeah. But once you complete it. I don't know what the side quest is. You, um, when you complete it, you just get a bag of Marmite that's on the end of a dildo and you can shove it up your ass. It's a great, it's a, it's a special item. It's a rare item. Yeah, rare item. Um, but nice. You, she put this all together in a way that this is where we see kind of a grounding here. Mm -hmm. Where she, there's several people all saying the same story in a very small community yeah. that like, you know, yeah. maybe, they, but it's rural. It's rural. So it's, real it's rural. not like they're all hanging out all the time. It's, so it's interesting. Yeah. I, I just find it, it makes it compelling. No, I love it. Well, incredibly, this military officer said that when they got to the peak after the explosion, they found a number of oblong coffin-like boxes. These boxes were collected and driven to a top-secret chemical and biological research facility in Wiltshire named Porton Down. Porton Down is a science park as the British put it. The what? oldest chemical warfare facility in the world. They call that a science park? It's a science, science park. park. See yeah. how much more fun that is than fucking atrocious chemical crea <laughs> creators of chemicals that are going to end the world? I've got a bit of a carousel of death over here. <laughs> nice. right over here the cardinal cotton candy of malice. Yes. It's like in Washington, D.C. where we've got the National Mall. That's not a mall. It's not it's a, a mall. Bi it's a big no, piece but of The only thing they're the selling no. is a fake story of the history of this country. <laughs> but it is a mall in the sense, in the truest sense, it is a mall. How? A mall doesn't necessarily have to have... A mall is a gathering area. It doesn't uh, have to have Nordstrom's We subjugated the no, mall. But that's what I mean. Is that you have a we, New Jersey sense of what a mall is. No, I have an, an American mall, sense of what a mall no, is. No, the Washington Memorial, that mall is more of a mall than, than a mall. I tell I'm you talking what, about. I'm talking about the appropriation of terms and how the English language changes over I time. I think this fucking New York Times bestseller just lost. Yeah. <laughs> Good work. Got him against the fucking ropes. Yeah, yeah you got me. Thanks. Yeah. No problem. The, Good job. What the mall needs, though, is a Bufora. <laughs> I agree with that. There's nothing in here. Well, this place, Porton Down, it's pretty much the British version of Edgewood. This is where they conducted chemical experiments on, quote-unquote, volunteer soldiers. Oh, man, no. And these, of course, resulted in the death of at least one soldier who had liquid nerve gas dripped into his arm. Now, when you say Jesus. nerve gas... I mean sarin. It, yeah, if you... Oh, okay, so if we're going to put this juice in me. So is this the type of thing good. that's going to calm my nerves? <laughs> I don't think so. Is this a... Does MK Ultra go to Europe? No. No. Well, so this is we like Sorry, I mean I don't know. We're talking about where the money but money sloshed around. It's mostly it was the Canadians certainly uh, participated it. Yeah. in it. Yeah. I mean, ha, maybe I'm incorrect. They might have MK Ultra money, but this is it's different because because you're technically doing different things here. This is just straight up chemical warfare, which is okay. the, the MK Ultra didn't fully get into. That's where it started. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is about it was nerve, psychological warfare. Yes. Well, the thing is about nerve gas. I mean, they they were using sarin. This is the same stuff used by Om Shinrikyo uh, decades oh, later. God. You know, in Edgewood, uh, the military facility Edgewood did the same thing uh, in America, where we tested this nerve because nerve gas was something that was uh, discovered after World War II. It was something the Nazis were working on. They must that have been they didn't... so mad. Yeah. Because, they were like, oh man, we could have used so <laughs> much of this gas earlier. Yeah. Oh, could have used God. that a couple of months ago. Yeah. The Nazis hadn't quite gotten a chance to use it yet. They were going to use it, but then they didn't. And so, what yeah, because we, we to... know that was a part of their the, the end goal, the end games were going to mm -hmm. be they were just going to gas everybody. Yeah, and... no, they wouldn't do that. I know, <laughs> no, I hate, I hate judge. And so the British and the Americans had to do tests on it. See, like, oh my God, what does it do? <laughs> and Porton Down is where the British did their tests, but that is to say, Porton Down is considered a nefarious place full of mystery and conspiracy. It seems to make your nervy nerves a little cockamamie there. Mm. Can't believe yeah. what we did there. Mm. Thought maybe you've got a bit of a nap, a bit of a sleep there, but it turns out it's a bit of a dirt nap. 
Yeah, it doesn't sound like this experiment needed to happen. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, but we, okay. we had to kill people so we could see how fast it could kill people. We had to kill one. They Okay, please be fair. We had to kill one guy. One guy, not people. Thank you. That's guy. a person? That's a person. I mean, he looks in the mirror. It's people. <laughs> That's a people. Now, the military officer claimed that for some reason, he was allowed to stick around while the scientists opened up these boxes. Yeah. What they mm. found inside, allegedly were the bodies of two dead aliens that matched the descriptions of alien greys. Presumably, these had been failed decontamination chambers that were meant to keep the greys alive. Now, everybody is like, huh. in the, these days, I can see how people are skeptical mm-hmm. of these stories. But it is, it's really interesting because it does come up a lot. Like, if you talk about Roswell, which is still probably, of all of the the granddaddy cases, it's still kind of got a lot of concrete evidence attached to it. Well, in terms of, like, the people who've talked about it and the 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 things that they've all said that they've seen. Mm-hmm. Now we talk about that they uh, that book came out called Area 51 mm-hmm. that talked about Roswell, that the real thing with Roswell is that there was surgically altered people that were presented in front of people as aliens. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's strange to see that same thing happen here mm-hmm. before that was common knowledge. Yeah. Whereas it was like, 1973, you know, but, 70s, so yeah. unless it's, so yeah. it's, it's one of, maybe it's one of two things is that one, it's either aliens and they're seeing aliens or two, or a lot of people surgically altering the humans mm-hmm. to look like aliens to prank on other people. And then I guess there's a third where all of this is fake. Yeah. Right. They should have gotten Jimmy Savile to fix it. I (laughs) wish he could. Come on. Now, Margaret was skeptical of the alien coffin story because the source that passed it along refused to meet in person. Mm. Another researcher did say that he'd vetted the source and confirmed his credibility, but the source had remained anonymous to maintain his safety, or so he claimed. (laughs) But Margaret was torn. Yeah, she was torn. And Margaret certainly had her detractors. A skeptic and all-around pain in the ass named Andy Roberts Mm. went so far as to publish a book debunking Berwyn Mountain. I can see his butt, like the start of Gremlins, where the woman's all upset that, you know, that she didn't get something from the bank. I can just see his big butt and khakis walking (laughs) around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, excellent. Another fantasy dispelled. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, what's worse than being a ufologist? Being a professional debunker, <laughs> like, yeah. unfortunately, the whole yes. world's debunk. <laughs> Although I know, I do agree with you that most professional debunkers do have big butts. They, I'm sure. I, I, I don't know that do. for a fact, but I see it. That's, I could see it. That's their grounding. <laughs> that is their grounding. <laughs> well, Andy Roberts claimed that the light that Pat Evans sure. saw got, everyone else, light in a tent. Yeah, bunch a of hunters light in a tent. Hunters that are camping out and they got a light in a tent. Well, because it's very similar to when you talk stories about phantom lights, where they they wonder what it is. Some people just say, is it just lights on a hill that you're seeing that are refracted because of something, because something with the air, like, is making them appear to float or whatever, or or earth farts. Yeah, Mm. literal earth Mm -hmm. farts. Is that what they're seeing? And, you know, he just doesn't like UFOs. I think it's more destabilizing to society thinking that all of this could be caused just by a couple of campers with a goddamn Magnum flashlight. (laughs) I I like the idea of a UFO better. Yeah, I I also... Because otherwise, what are we doing here? (laughs) We're very fragile. (laughs) That would... That's going to up have upheaval for an entire community. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where it's like, it's more just like, I, I, more and more I research and more and more I read about these things. It's just more getting into what is consciousness? Why are oh, yeah. we, why do we receive reality the way that we do? How we generate reality 
um, as we're swimming in it, we're constantly generating it. And it's very flimsy. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of there. We're just, we're all relying on the three pounds of goop mm-hmm. between our fucking eyeballs and our asshole. And you better give credit to Jerry Springer for that. Final thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Andy Roberts, he actually personally attacked Margaret. He personally attacked her. He said that her research was nothing more than, quote, the rantings of an old lady. I like Margaret, though. I love Margaret. What has this asshole done? Nothing. He's just a destroyer. He just doesn't like UFOs. He doesn't. Luckily, though, Margaret had her allies. Whilst Andy was all up in Margaret's ass using debunking research that, guess what? Has been debunked itself. Now, who's sadder than the re-debunker? Because <laughs> that's, that's the saddest man. No. That's the Rorschach oh. of the ufology world. The man that goes and debunks the debunks. Mm-hmm. You just don't want to be anywhere near that guy. No, it's not. I fun. like him. We need him in his way. Yeah, sure. Also, and I keep. Kind of. I use a man on purpose. Oh. I'm saying his on purpose. He's but. the rebuttal. Yeah, that's the thing. You got to sick your attack dog somewhere. Oh, yeah, 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 and your rebuttal man, now that's the ufologist attack dog. And then what you do is the rebuttal <laughs> man, he's doing stuff, and the whole thing be like, you, you use him to, to say all this stuff and be like, but I don't really depend on Greg because Greg's kind of unreliable. But still, <laughs> right. he's doing good work. Good work, Greg. Yeah. Good work. Best. Well, Margaret's best ally was a young independent researcher named Scott Felton, and he decided that maybe Margaret had missed something on Berwyn Mountain. Hmm. Not that she wasn't doing a, a good job, but there was a lot of information to sift through. And there really is like kind of a rom-com in here, if you want. A little, a, bit. A, little, a, like, a little bit of a Harold and Maude. Oh, man. Harold and... This is perfect. The spooky Harold and Maude. <laughs> and again, because it is ufology, this isn't the fucking O.J. Simpson murder scene. No. You don't have to be... You make mistakes sometimes. Well, yeah. also Sometimes we, you just wipe up a bunch of DNA. <laughs> There's room for speculation. Yes. In yeah. It's okay. Well, Margaret and Scott began working together in 2014. And after going back through her notes... Scott found a phone call that Margaret had taken from a man named Michael Saville. Another no one. relation. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, it's just so bad for anyone named Fogel or just anyone. Or, <laughs> We're not it, seeing a lot of Hitler's I think anymore. That last no. name is gone. It's just, you, never, you never want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, Scott figured Saville was worth a second look. And as it turned out, this man was the confirmation for Pat's story that Margaret and Scott had needed the entire time. See, Saville and his wife lived on a cottage with a clear view of the mountaintops. They lived above the village. They were enjoying a nice night reading at home when their walls oh. began to tremble and shake. So Saville went outside to see what was what. I should have given him a look and loo with the shakey up there. bop in the song. It sounds like it sounds like such a fun night though, because I'm like thinking oh, yeah. they have a little fire going. Yeah, oh, no. I mean we had earthquakes the other night, but it's scary. But it's... I haven't felt one of these fucking earthquakes. I was promised earthquakes when I moved out here. Yeah, okay. I know there's been like eight. I haven't felt any of them. Yeah. You just have to be a less good sleeper, like me. Why is it always at night? Why is it always never? Yeah, why asleep? does it have to know when it? Why because it it's it that... is scary when it does for real happen. You'll see. You'll be scared. Okay. I hope to be. <laughs> All, right. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of, I'm looking forward to a, a solid 4.3. You, I mean, he's a Subaru Please guy. stop wishing yeah. for it. It's very scary. I was in the theater when we saw Midsummer when we had that legit one Ooh. a couple of years ago, and I had just eaten a 40 milligram edible, I'd and it was freak. just when they all arrived at the cult when they were doing it, and then it felt, we were like, there was something weird was going on, and all of a sudden the movie froze, and the building just went back and forth, and it was scary. Yeah. You'll see. You'll love it. I don't want to ruin the end of mid the, the end of Midsummer. But they all, everybody's survives and it's great yeah well actually the big surprise is the whole thing took place during december thank you (laughs) (laughs) who debunks the debunkers well to savile's surprise when he walked outside 
he was faced with the same bright circular light that Pat Evans saw. It was so bright and large from his vantage point that he thought the world was coming to an end. Damn. Ten minutes later, though, Saville claimed that the object silently sunk below the horizon and disappeared. And so, after hearing Saville's side of the story, and I love what Scott did here, he connected when and where Saville saw the object to when and where Pat saw the object. And Scott found that their timelines and sightlines dovetail perfectly. He proved that when the object sunk out of Saville's view, it entered Pat's view, meaning that at the very least, two people did see the same thing that night, whatever that thing may have been. I, cool. To me, for all of when you talk about UFOs, that's when it starts to get credible, like yeah. the aerial school phenomena. I still feel like the aerial school phenomena is one of the, the best, like, proving that something happened in that moment mm -hmm. of all those stories is, is that story where yeah. you just have a bunch of people all saying they saw the same shit. The group abduction in Coronado. Like, yes, mm -hmm. even though most of it that we focus on was the man showing his penis yeah. to his roommate that he was forced to have on <laughs> it was a group trip, funny. which is the best part yeah, of that entire funny. story. It really is. But you see, the idea of everybody seeing and experiencing something in a small period of time, mm -hmm. it's very interesting. The Hudson Triangle. Yeah. And this is cool because it's two people telling independent stories that are giving different timelines. They don't yeah. know each other. And he's actually able to use triangulation, actually use calculation to prove that both of them are telling the truth. He's corroborating right. evidence here. It's fucking great. But concerning what that thing may have been, there is a bit of a fly in the ointment in the form of a psychology professor named Dr. Michael Persinger. Uh, actually, it's time for me to get involved here. I, don't, oh, I wow. thought I saw a smile. So I decided to arrive and say, um... I heard it in here there so you can all frown. I like Dr. Person. I know Josh, you would, Marcus. I like him. I like him. It's because you want to be a professor when you grow up. Well, I mean, I thought yeah, about it. when he grows it. up. Yeah. Yeah. When I grow up. He's when, still a young boy. He yeah. is a young boy. Yeah. He's only 40. <laughs> well, they say we're going to live to 100, so we're not even halfway dead yet. Yeah. Fuck. I yeah. got to think about my finances. Yeah. You really got to pay attention. <sighs> Well, Dr. Michael Persinger, who is made, well, Dr. Michael Persinger, it's a very difficult name. I didn't even think about how to say that. Persinger. Persinger. Dr. Michael Persinger, he made distinct links between UFO sightings and the type of earthquakes that were felt just before the sighting of the glowing object. Yes. In Persinger, he was no fuddy-duddy dickhead. He's not a Philip Class. He's not a Joe Nickel. Thank He's you. not out to ruin everyone's fun. Yeah. He's not of the opinion that people are just stupid or gullible, like a lot of these other assholes. He is of the opinion that there must be some scientific reason why so many people throughout history have reported paranormal experiences. Aww. See, this is the kind of approach I appreciate. Me too. I love this. It, yeah. it is there. It's it's this concept of like, there. They, the government's been gaslighting us for long enough, telling you we haven't seen anything and mm. our eyes are wrong and we were, you know, again, we're idiots. Yeah. But it's uh, it's like, yeah, we're idiots, but for other reasons. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're actively, you know, yeah. we try to kill ourselves with food. That's fine. Right? Yeah. We do it. But, this story, it's like, at least, like, give me some kind of credit. Yeah. Like, show me that, like, no, it's a phenomenon happening. Yeah. We just need to figure out what the hell it is. Yeah. And whether mm. it either is a psychic phenomenon that is not woo-wee-woo, just more of a lack of understanding of how our consciousness works, or if it's something natural, I'll take it. Yeah. 
And that's what Dr. Persinger's, uh, that's what he devoted his entire life to, was trying to find that answer. Paranormal experiences are real, even though it's not necessarily paranormal. People are seeing something. Sure. And he's trying to, he tried to figure out why. Well, and that's, that's just not a waste of a life at all. No, (laughs) absolutely. I don't think it is. No, no, he didn't didn't waste his whole life. No, No. not even close. No, it's not like he spent his entire life as a podcaster. And isn't that such a noble calling? Hey, (laughs) I've heard several people say, you know, I would have nothing to listen to while washing the dishes if it wasn't for you. (laughs) That That is true. That is true. Yeah. Well, for example, Dr. Persinger was the inventor of something called the God Helmet. Yeah, we're going to use one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I already got got a line on one. This is the famous God Helmet. Yeah. Yeah. It, okay. it used weak magnetic fields that produced mystical experiences and altered states. See, it was Dr. Persinger's theory that paranormal experiences are examples of, get this, interhemispheric intrusions caused by vectorial hemispherity. Yeah, bro. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Sounds like you just wasted a lot of money on fucking some big-ass words, bro, because you didn't fucking teach me shit, dude. Hey, I'll give you PhD. Pretty, yeah. pretty hey, hot hey, and uh, fucking stupid, you yeah. dickhead. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> now, that sounds very interesting and smart. It doesn't it does. sound like anything. No, it's It true. doesn't sound like anything. I do understand what it means. It means that there's, it's the two lobes of our brains are talking to each other. Yeah. Yes, they're talking to each other. Two and sourdoughs. You could, but, they're yes. intru- but they're intrusions. They're not supposed to. They're talking to each other in a bad way. Yes, they're they're fucking up. Yeah. Or, again, it's is, is it fucking up? Or is that just how our brains work? Yeah. And, like, is that how we experience things that are in an interdimensional fashion? I yeah. do think there's the other side of it where, yes, you can reproduce it with the God Helmet, but it's also just how our brains work so he's just showing it, being like, so if waves of these things, if we're sending these things purposely into our brain to create a fake mystical experience, maybe it's also just how our brain receives these kind of waves. And we decide whether or not that energy, is it from an intelligence source mm-hmm. or is it just a natural uh, expression of the universe? Yeah. I don't know. We got to get some DMT up in here. Yeah. I've heard. <laughs> I get some TNT, man. Yeah. Well, Dr. Persinger, I mean, admittedly, his theories uh, were not able to be reproduced. No. They're not easily reproduced. Well, we know that we just talk to the Newkirks. They use the God helmet all the time, and they're always talking to gods inside their own brain. Yeah, and I, but I think no. partly the reason why his research hasn't gotten larger, I'd, you know, the bottom fell out of the parapsychology research funding after the 70s. During the 70s, they, they really gave it a go, and then they just stopped. You know, it's like in Ghostbusters. They're like, right. you know, they just don't have any use for him anymore. Oh, no. And who cares if it doesn't really work most of the time? I say give him a few million and let him try. You just got to be careful, Ray. If we're going to the private sector, <laughs> they expect results. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Where it's like, yeah. I I went and I, because, you know, I wrote to Dr. Merlin Tuttle. We talked about this, the bad biologist. Mm-hmm. But I also wrote to the University of North Carolina because they used to have a lot of, they had a paranormal like an entire paranormal wing, oh, parapsychology. parapsychology wing, and I was obsessed with it, and then I didn't get anything back. Mm-mm. And then mm. it all closed down, and it turns out I was writing to things that were like from like books that were like years old. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. That. Yeah. yeah, you gotta you gotta write uh, to Disney Adventures. I did. <laughs> yes, I submitted a couple of stories. I, I love Disney back. Adventures. Yeah, I think yeah. I wrote to Omni a couple of times. What was that? It was a science magazine. Yeah, and this won't be like. How do I make my dick bigger? How <laughs> <laughs> do I get girls that uh, like me? Yeah. It's still pretty, like, small. I don't make it bigger. Because like, it's like, they say it's going to get bigger, but yeah, I don't believe them. I'm, it does. I, I need results here. <laughs> All right. 
But But concerning Berwyn Mountain, Dr. Persinger said that seismic stresses, i.e. earthquakes, can produce electrical effects that produce luminosities and electromagnetic disturbances through the ionization of air. Like static electricity caused by plates. Mm -hmm. And this is what could possibly create the bright, luminous globs that could be interpreted as the glowing orb UFO that we see again and again and again. I mean, my little understanding of what's happening right now with the study of the Earth itself, it does seem like there's some funky things going on and it's much shallower than we thought. We don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know shit. Yeah. I mean, this would explain the soundless nature of these orbs. You know, everyone says when they see the orbs, they say it makes no sound. It would explain their erratic movements, Mm. which would give it the appearance of being piloted. It was called the Busey effect. Yeah. Really? No, I was just saying, like, how Gary Busey <laughs> oh, was a sort of unpredictable an, an erratic man. It still is an erratic man. Oh, very much. A very erratic man. He's a good person. Yeah, you give him a give him a football helmet, he'll just start ramming you. Oh, he'll of course kill you. He would. Yeah. He's a good person. He is. Yeah. False false, false expectations of appearing real. real. That's fear. fear. Yep. I always forget what it means. Yeah. Well, concerning what people feel when they see these kinds of things. Dr. Persinger said that when he exposed subjects to these kinds of electrical fields and labs, the kinds that could have produced these glowing orbs, he said that it produced feelings of foreboding and dreamlike states, which Again, a lot be tripping of people, balls. which a lot sure. of people say they feel when they see these orbs. We're just I mean, dude, tripping I've, on the fucking planet Earth's fucking vibes, dog. That's why I've been fucking bringing my big old fucking road cone to every time they go fracking someplace, dude. And I just put it up there and I just suck on the Earth, dude. <laughs> That's the ultimate gravity bomb. That's a gravity bomb. <laughs> Now, of course, both these electrical fields and Dr. Persinger's God helmet don't work on everybody. Like, for example, smug fuck Richard Dawkins, Ooh. who everyone fucking hates. He tried the God Does helmet. Does everybody hate Richard Dawkins? I think he's a polarizing he's a, figure on purpose. He's yeah, a dickhead. Yeah. He's yeah. a massive he's dead? dickhead. He's dead now. Right? No, yeah. he's still alive. He's still alive. I checked. He's in his 80s or his 70s. No, no oh, way. Shit. I thought he was like. Dude, I checked earlier today. Cancers. No, I checked earlier today. Many he's still cancers. alive. Yeah, yeah he might, alive. He might have cancers. Who but, knows? Well, he said that when he put on the God helmet, the sensation he experienced, he experienced putting on a helmet. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Fuck you. Well, okay. But he's <laughs> just like, he doesn't want to be into it at all. Like, no. he doesn't like the concept of, of gods or anything. Which I understand because organized religion, all the stuff that comes around it, um, is decidedly bad. Sure, but he believes in nothing, and he spends his life telling people that it, that they're stupid if they believe in anything. Yeah, well, that's, that's just, not nice, Richard. It's no, not nice. Time, it, it turns people away. You I know. think so. What was the other guy that was always doing that stuff? Died in his early sixties. Author. The, um, the uh, famous uh, anti-God guy uh, there. Uh, uh, Christopher Hitchens? Yes, yeah. Hitchens. Yeah, Some yeah. great stories about him. Yeah. yeah. He could drink at lunch and still write a very good little article. That he was in. <laughs> but it could be said that some people have the sort of brain that is physically able to process these experiences while others don't. Richard hmm. Dawkins doesn't have the ability to process doesn't it. Because we got fucking fluoride in the goddamn water oh, and it's going to goddamn pituitary gold. Calcifying no, f- our third eye. This could be why some people, like Henry, have almost no paranormal experiences. Because of the fluoride? No, well, just because his brain may not work that way. That's why I don't drink water anymore. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm going to Diet Coke now. <laughs> it could also be why some people experience paranormal activity all the time. Like the British lady with the posh accent who owns the thrift store in Burbank who told me that she spent her childhood being Haunted by the savage ghost of Anne Boleyn. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's not an L.A. thing at all. <laughs> no, that's that's a totally, that's a reputable source. Yeah. 
Or think about this. The explanation could be that these are actual UFOs. They're pilot craft. There's something in there. There is. Perhaps that's true. Perhaps. I feel like that's, I've said this constantly and it's hard because people like hardline opinions and they want you to be black and white about it. But I think that it's all many different phenomena happening at once. Yeah. Like maybe Mm -hmm. an, or maybe there is a natural arm of it where you are seeing what one pilot called I liked recently that we might be seeing something that is like the autoimmune system of the planet earth. Like we're seeing these things kind of show up and they go like, because our presence there excites them and that they are not even really thinking they're just some form of plasma that's activated by thought and arrives Mm -hmm. and it it zips around. What if the earth is an alien? What if we all are, well, if we all are the bibbidi bop and we don't know. But if right? we all are, then none of us are. Whoa. We are aliens, though, whenever we go to Mars. <laughs> but then maybe when we see the orbs, maybe they could be fucking a nuts and bolts UFO in some form of cloaking mechanism. Yeah. Or it's Earth farts. Could be, man. I'm tired of having opinions. I'm thinking about checking out altogether. I just Dude, like, I know. That's <laughs> his whole entire thing. I want to be, I'm slowly but surely coming all the way back around to a Robert Anton Wilson style, like completely just ambivalent. Yeah. About all of them. And just like, like I'm a, a full agnostic. Yeah, man. About the entire phenomenon. It could be anything. Yeah. The more you learn, the less you know. Isn't that strange? But mm-hmm. It's important to learn. Well, Margaret Fry, for example, she saw that there were plenty of UFO sightings that coincided with earthquakes. So what she decided was that you have not that earthquakes were causing uh-huh. UFO phenomena. Rather, she decided that UFOs were drawn to earthquakes. Sure. Oh, they, they, a lot of times they're seen over natural aquifers. We've talked about this. And hidden underground mountain chambers. They mm-hmm. are, a lot of times you go down and you find that these are kind of seem to be attracting the, the phenomena. Yeah. Now, for all her admitted naivete, Margaret Fry was still one of the more reasonable people involved in the Berwyn Mountain UFO incident, as were most of the people involved. Most people. Where even fucking Andy Roberts, Big Butt Andy, yeah, even he was reasonable. We get no idea if he has a big butt, but he is Big Butt Andy. <laughs> He's got Big Butt attitude. Yes, and he not does. the good kind. Absolutely not. But there are some investigators who claim that Berwyn Mountain was actually a skirmish in a vast cosmic war that huh. we humans can scarcely comprehend. <laughs> hey, unless you go on coast to coast AM and really spell it out, because then it's uh, actually it's even less comprehensible because I listened to a couple episodes of this young man call me young man speak on this subject. How old is he? He's, he's older. He's yeah. in his 50s. He's I think in, he was born in the like 64 or something. And like he's that. an animated fellow. Mm-hmm. It's a bit difficult to follow. Yeah. But he's got a lot of like he's got a lot of ideas. We'll see. We'll see. What shakes out of this because a lot of it doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense. All yeah. right. And, and actually throughout I would like to know at certain times, what sort of questions did George Norrie ask? Well, Russ Kelly? Tell me. Well, what? this was actually it was a guest host. <sighs> it was a guest host in this in this series, and he was kind of like pushing back in a way that George never would. Like yeah. it was oh, interesting. Man. He was asking some hard questions of Russ Kellett to see what he and like Russ Kellett was trying to kind of explain it, but mostly it's come down to it's like it's a psychic thing, baby. You sure. wouldn't get it if you wanted to. You don't understand. But this is the, where we break it into. So we have just covered the actually fairly grounded story of could be several UFO sightings. Maybe there were some boots on the ground 
We're talking about how Pat's story, eventually she would recant saying that she saw soldiers. Because mm-hmm. that's kind of what she said that the, maybe there was somebody involved in this, right? Yeah. Like there mm-hmm. was someone, there was a lot of stories about like military men coming in and out, people seeing a downed UFO on the side of the road, blah, blah, blah. But this is, that's the grounded version. Right. Yeah. Now we're going into the expanded universe. Yes. All right. Let's get into it. I really hope that the aliens weren't listening to Nazi marching music uh, before coming to Earth. I actually love Finnish jumping music. <laughs> <laughs> well, in late 2018, a UFO researcher named Russ Kellett, that we've mentioned a time or two, he came forward with what he claimed were leaked government documents about the Berwyn Mountain incident, along with a map that showed the location of an alien base near Berwyn Mountain. Cool. Absolute facts. It was Kellett's contention. I think that the Berwyn Mountain UFO incident was an intentional operation by the military that involved an alien base located under the sea on the North Wales shoreline, and the explosions heard in the light scene were the result of aerial battles between UFOs and British fighter jets. No holes. Can you say say under the sea, right? Under the sea. Thank, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thank yes, you. No. of course. Located under the sea in the North Wales shoreline. Oh. And unfortunately, Sebastian was lost in that war. <laughs> he and was. I can't believe it. Another, just another victim yeah. of the underground bases versus up top stations of the United States I military. I can't even look at lobsters because of the Fernandate for our stream mm. when he had the isopod Disgusting. videos. Uh, I can't the, believe the it. But you know what? food videos, I can't look at shellfish Ugh. anymore. You crush it, though. Yeah, you, 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 it. you did a great job. I was yeah. vomiting. Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. were really divided, and that's where we need to be at. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That's the division that we need. <laughs> now, according to Kellett, witnesses saw 80 flashes of light. I don't know how he made that uh, assumption, but he said 80 flashes of light off the North Wales coastline that night. The night of the incident. So okay. he sort of combines these stories together. Perhaps you can help me to straighten this out a little bit a little because bit. it was quite confusing. So he starts with, well, if you won't know what's going on, the Bowen Mountain incident there, right? Because what you got to do there, a lot of theirs and rights, mm-hmm. always a lot of theirs yeah. and rights. But it's that you got to start from the very beginning, which is going back in time there. Uh-huh. Oh, there's Abraham Lincoln there. Yeah. Oh, better not be. It's too far. Go back forward. Whippity, whippity, whippity. Yeah, oh, he says, he says whippity, 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 whippity. Yeah. They do say that. They do. They do. Yeah. But basically, he says it starts with a series of military exercises okay. where this began, where he believes that before anybody saw anything, there was okay. this, which is real, there was documentation that there were exercises going along the coast. Sure. Yes. of And, and that's and, the 80 flashes of light. Yes. And what they okay. were dropping was what he said. They were dropping these photo flash bombs. Right. To check for things under the sea. Under the okay. sea. Okay. Right? Gotcha. They go, they drop these photo flash bombs. They basically illuminate everything from the top of the water down to the very bottom of the ocean. And they were taking a bunch of pictures. And he was saying that this was not disconnected from what would happen <laughs> to the Berwyn UFO incident. Not disconnected. Yes, that he thinks that this is where they were chasing UFOs under the sea. Right. I see. So he's saying that, okay, so the photo flash was the British military. It happened a couple of days before. A couple of days before. So 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 there's the photo flashes going on, and then uh, the night of the incident, the night of the Berwyn Mountain incident, that was a fight between a UFO that came up out of the water and a fighter jet. They, those were, yes, UFOs, they scared out of the water. Right. Up into the sky, and then they sent, even though there was really not a lot of a paper trail for the 
for the actual fighting part of it because that's the one thing that's difficult is that you do actually, they do fill out a lot of paperwork if they shoot one missile. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of paperwork that has gone into that. Yeah. You yeah. know, so there's normally a long paper trail, but there was none of that. Right. But he's saying, in my mind, is that they scared him up out of the water, which is actually kind of fascinating. Yeah, it is. Because now yeah. what we know about the so-called UFO slash USOs that our current military is investigating, we know that whatever this weird shit they're seeing is coming out of the water. Mm-hmm. So it kind of it it does kind of like parallel the story now. And, and this story didn't come ocean. out until the 2014. <laughs> Blow up the ocean. Well, there is at least a tiny bit of corroboration mm. from paranormal author Nick Redfern, who is, of course, one of our finest paranormal journalists, which is a statement I make without irony. No. Yes. And of course, you can listen to that fantastic interview we did about five years ago on our Patreon. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> See, Redfern reported that an employee at a military facility nearby claimed that a security guard had seen a humanoid but distinctly non-human creature that quickly dematerialized right in front of him. Bye-bye. <laughs> it's a great and a bad day to be a security guard because you're like, what the fuck? But then it's gone. You're like, not bad. Oh, and though the problem is, like, oh, shit, now everybody's going to know I'm fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He had a nervous breakdown and was never seen again. Hey, man, that's cool. what would you do if we were just right. truly like yeah. if you're Run just hanging out and the guy walked into the house like he just only <gasps> yeah. was like an alien, full on fucking alien yeah. that just goes like, <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> no. And then dematerializes. You're like, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that Gone. Yeah, that was that was the joke he used to make in uh, one of the old live shows. They're like if Freddy Freaker showed, showed up in up. your kitchen. You'd be lose, t- you'd lose your mind. You're done. You'd be in a mental asylum for the rest Absolutely. of your life. Absolutely. Yeah, you go to the woods, you go to the water, you get back to nature. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I need to think about my stress level. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you go off the grid. Yeah. Well, soon after, that same employee said that she heard her superior having a conversation with another high up, saying, quote, We have no way of keeping these beings out. We just don't know what to do next. They can get in here. They can get in anywhere. Oh, my God, even after hours at the local pub. (laughs) Now, if that is true, then that would mean that there is indeed a war of some sort going on between at least the aliens and the British. Mm. Why does it have to be a war? Can't we just get along? Whoa, whoa hey there, <laughs> beatnik. Hey, come on. Hey, come on there. Are you some kind of peace guy? I wow. also don't, if you're going to, the fucking British are going to lose. Mm, but that's <laughs> the thing. If it's with the British, then it's with us because of the special relationship. Special We're bringing NATO into this? You're forgetting about that. No, I'm talking about just America and the U.S. They're our <sighs> special relationship. We don't have a special relationship with fucking Sweden. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we do. Have a, we get with, chocolate and clocks. Not as special as Britain. No. That's a special relationship. There's a name for it. They call it the special relationship. Yeah, we like. Ugh. It's like we fuck. No, no, a special relationship is when like your uncle's just a bachelor. You know, oh, like, yeah, we don't yeah, know yeah. what he does. And that's his best friend yeah. Jeff that he's been living with for 25 years. 25 years. Aren't they? Ma- they're manly men, aren't yeah. they? Oh yeah, they are. Yeah. Fly from your grave. But while we've heard a bit about the aerial battles and the possible espionage. What are the soldiers in this war? Okay, this is where it really gets colorful. I mean, after all, if there are aerial battles, naval battles, and breaches at military compounds, then that stands to reason this is a hot war. Ooh, yes. Yes. Smoking hot. Hot war. Naval battles and areola battles. (laughs) Yeah. Titties in the bathtub. There we go. Titties in the bathtub. Titties in a bathtub. Hot wars, they usually have ground battles, don't they? Ground battle between yeah. troops. Yeah, but the next and war. Course, yeah, we'll do one more ground battle, but then the next war will be fought with sticks and stones. I actually <laughs> took that from you, and now I actually said it first, so now you took that from me. 
<laughs> Isn't that interesting? I hate it. Also, of course, a hot war is when everyone wears lingerie. Yeah, yeah sexy war. Playboy <laughs> bunny war. Well, luckily for us, as it just so happens, Russ Kellett, the same man who claimed to have blown the lid off the Battle of Berwyn Mountain, he claims to have also been a ground troop in an intergalactic war between multiple alien races that's been raging for decades. I ain't saying he's wrong. Well, but well, I ain't saying he's wrong. I but refuse is he, why, to say it. any evidence. Is there evidence? <laughs> Let's go for. Is there evidence? Hey, uh, man, hey. it's an astral thing. Yeah, yeah, but at some point. You wouldn't understand. No, I, but at some point I have to. I tell you what, though, <laughs> if it does poke through to our reality, we're not going to be too happy about that because they are going to cause some true issues. Aliens, full on hot war against the rest of us. We're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. I don't know how well we'll do. Uh, I don't know. We but, shall merely be pawns in the game. But this is where the Berwyn Mountain incident kind of follows this. Like he has this idea that this is like this massive battle. Like, mm -hmm. and so it is interesting because everybody else, including the co-author of the Berwyn Mountain incident that he was working with, Russ Kellett, who every time Russ Kellett speaks goes like, yeah, you know, Russ has got a lot of ideas. Like he's like always like jumping in like, yeah, 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 of course, absolutely. But let's really get back to the Berwyn Mountain incident because there's a lot, because what happened with Roswell too, with yeah. Philip Corso, and a lot of people that kind of jump onto the story that kind of has some Wait, it's got some gumption. Yeah. Like people are seeing these UFOs and they're all cooperating it. But he's just like, that's the thing, there. It's just a bit of a surface warp there. Because we get down underneath in the very peanut buttery incidents of the entire <laughs> thing there. Yeah. What you're gonna see is a bit of an intergalactic war there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Sounds yeah. fun. So he's fighting a war. Yeah, he's fighting a war. Any yeah. tangible wounds or No. Just like well, well, okay. We'll get into it. Yeah, is there a Not wound? necessarily wounds, a scar but or... effects. Let's say effects. Okay. He is affected. Okay. He is affected. <laughs> now, Russ Kellett released two UFO books in 2021, but he's been around the British ufology scene since the 1990s. Now, two in one actually, year. With the ufology. Ah, actually, every <laughs> once in a while I do, and I go, ah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I know, I get you. I love it. The first of those mm -hmm. books was about Berwyn Mountain, roughly, but the second tells an entirely different kind of story. That book is E.T. Ryder. It's kind of cool. It's <laughs> cool. Hey, kinda, Russ Kellett's a cool guy. I mean, he's cool because well, he, loves, he loves motorcycles. He's no, a motorcycle I guy. I he's like, honestly, so. he's just like, he really is. I guess when you hear him talk too, because he's very, you know, a, he'll punch you in the face. Yeah. No, he's a down-to-earth guy. Yeah. He's a, he calls himself, he's a tell-it-like-it-is type of guy. He, uh, he likes motorcycles. He likes making yeah. swords. He likes shooting stuff. He I, likes martial arts. He it. likes ancient mysteries. He likes paranormal stuff. I like this he guy. loves scooters. I love this scooter-loving, paranormal-believing guy. Tell it like it is. Guys, they mostly need to tell their father like they love them. Whoa. And like they need to have that. They need to go through that. Otherwise, because they're just telling it like they think. Yeah, yeah it's the yeah. rest of us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but we also, we shouldn't go too hard no. on Russ. Because he says... He does say, say that he's been bullied most of his life. I just oh, want to see a fucking wound. I don't even care if it's from a bully. <laughs> Although I will also say that this story definitely sounds like it comes from a guy who's been bullied most of his life, to be fair. Well, an E.T. writer, Russ Kellett claims to be a frontline soldier fighting for a mysterious race of aliens in a war in which he did not volunteer. See, I find it interesting because, of you know, it's cool because abductees talk all the time about, like, they get pulled into these scenarios and then the intelligences that they're speaking to are saying stuff like, you were chosen for a reason. Mm -hmm. You're a part of a familial line that we deal with. You're supposed to be a message giver. And then yeah. it always is like somebody with like a bunch of like, it, you've got like 
white lady dreads <laughs> that have turned into crystals. Yeah. yeah. Well, oftentimes it's for people looking for a purpose. Huh? Oh, yes. It is. Mm-hmm. Well, a lifelong abductee, Kellett's experiences were not sexy and strange like David Huggins. Rather, his experience was closer to what Michael Castello experienced in New Mexico during the Dulce Wars. Ooh, Dulce. Dulce, yes. Now, Russ said that his first UFO memory was of his father and his co-workers discussing a cigar-shaped UFO, which would later be known in the local papers as the Thackley Torpedo. (laughs) Wait a second. (laughs) We're talking about Jimmy Savile again? (laughs) However, no information on the internet exists about said torpedo. Yes. I guess those records have not been scanned in yet. Well, it just seemed to be a a tale amongst friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, They said it was in the paper. The it was in the paper. torpedo. It was in the paper. Mm-hmm. Well, as far as when Russ himself saw his first UFO, he said that it was seen around Heaton Woods. It was a round red and white object that floated for a few moments, moved behind the clouds, and disappeared. This occurred in an area that the teenage kids called the clubby, where they would drink beer, smoke cigarettes, and read porno mags. Me I mean, and my the- buddies, we had a similar place. We called it the place. Yeah, the clubby. It's, it's like they're doing cool kid stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's but they're calling the, it the clubby. The clubby. Yeah, I did the same thing. It was called my principal's office. You looked at porno mags in your Smoked principal's cigarettes. That's all we did. <laughs> sat in his, like, <laughs> sat in his knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gave yeah, you a yeah. penthouse just, or two. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah. He loved reading the letters out loud. And then I got a B. <laughs> and he gave me straight Bs. That's great. Straight Bs. Actually, great. kind of well worth it. That's you know? not bad. No. But for us, he said that it was at the clubby that he was first abducted by aliens in what seems to be the mid to late 70s. I say seems because... Russ can be a little fuzzy when it comes to timelines. So I just kind of extrapolated from the year in which he was born. That's very kind way to say it. <laughs> because I loved Russ Kellett's story. And I loved the book. Everything I read in the book, I loved to read. E.T. Ryder, yeah. Yes, but he definitely has a very difficult time putting things in sequential order. Yeah. He bounces around a lot to the point where it took, I was listening to a four-hour coast-to-coast episode that took me like, two days to listen to because I'd have to come back to me and like, what is he talking about? Because mm-hmm. it all of a sudden he's about motorcycles and then he's talking about something else and you're like, what are you fucking saying? I don't understand. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like he needs to stay focused. He does, a little yeah. bit, but I understand. People say I have the same issue. Yeah, I understand. Now, Russ said that a bright light appeared above him and he soon found himself in a dentist chair surrounded by figures who did the standard alien tests and probes while telling him, you have nothing to fear. Everything is fine. And I love, again, I love all of her people from the aisles of the UK and Mm -hmm. whatnot. But it's also sometimes difficult to understand them when they're saying (laughs) words that are definitely English. Which you can't really understand. Because I just can't understand the accent. So there's a lot of it where it's being like, what is he talking about? Because he was just like, oh, saying two pillars. To pill- he was saying pillars. I was like, is that pillars or pillows? And then it was like, I think it was, was on pillows. pillows. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Do the aliens have a different accent when they speak to them? That's interesting. Are they American or are they British? They code switching? They, they might be. They might be. They, they might be. be. They probably know all different languages on Earth, of course. Yeah. It's, like, it's like in Witcher when everyone else is British, but the Witchers have American accents. There you go. It's just like that. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just like that. <laughs> Well, once they were done with their tests and such. What was the test again? Just, you know, standard alien tests. Alien tests. Alien tests. You know, the stuff that we've yet. I don't need to go over it again. Gotcha. You know what I'm talking about. They stab you up the nose. They play with your feet. UFOs are doing this stuff. Yeah, 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 the aliens. Yeah, all that. All that. Yeah, yeah, regular stuff. But Russ said there was another bright light and he was suddenly back in the clubby. It was hours after his last earthly memory, missing time. 
Now, once Russ turned 16, he got a Suzuki motorbike and began experiencing episodes of missing time while he was riding home from work. That sadly, is like what I know the most from this whole story is Russ breaking down how he got to buy the motorbike back from his father really after cool. his father lent him money to go into motorbike school. What does that have to do with he's, anything, though? It's just he a, loves it talking was, about motorbikes. It was really a long yeah. story about motorbike acquiring. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, is it uh, possible that he was drugged at the said clubby? And uh, it's horrible things. Were well, the work. thing is the pushback from the, forget the guest host name on Coast to Coast, but he was like, could you possibly have borderline personality disorder? <laughs> Whoa, don't <laughs> it was a big jump. Wow, that's, that's a big one. Yeah. yeah and uh, oh he, but he was just that's like, the whole, yeah, they all do. He's like, yeah, he's like, oh yeah, my, me and my, my mates, we love that Madonna song. <laughs> <laughs> We've been obsessed with it, mate. Borderline. <laughs> <laughs> well, these missing time episodes coincided with Russ's visits to a place called Druid's altar in the town of Bingley. <laughs> Everyone wears little bells. <laughs> it's cute. Well, Druid's altar is a rocky outcrop in West Yorkshire that's said to have a connection to Druid worshipping tradition. According to legend, this had once been the site where a Roman legion had mysteriously disappeared after having a run-in with some Druids. Cool. That's a fight I want to see. Oh, yes. Honest. That's the thing. What all, the fuck is a druid? Well, all we know, a druids, it's actually somewhat unclear because all we know about druids come from Roman legions. Because they did oh. not keep written records of themselves. Yeah. They were an oral tradition, and then they would, they, I don't know if they believe that they, I think the concept was that they didn't want to leave evidence behind. I'm not exactly sure, but the druids yeah. are very mysterious. Yeah, very mysterious. Kind of cool. We know they existed, yeah. but we only have one perspective. We have the perspective of the enemy. But while we don't have a lot of information about Bingley's druid altar specifically, the rock still has a mystical presence. It's like Stonehenge. Mm. And Kellett often use the site to meditate. That's cool. Yeah. Also, by the way, Stonehenge is less exciting when you just see how they did it and they just weeble wobble the Stonehenges. It just, it just it shows understanding that human beings are very capable. Yeah. We are capable. Now, strange lights. I mean, not us, but... No, 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 no. As a species. <laughs> I get tired from talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going to go take a nap after this. You have to. No. Now, strange lights have been seen at Druid's altar, as well as UFOs and allegedly... Alien frogmen. <gasps> There's also been reports of cats that are far too large. That's cats too fucking big, That's man. It's a lion. It's a lion. Fucking cats too fucking big. So, I don't. This is. Oh okay. my god, that cat's the size of a cow. What is it doing there? Wow. So ca- big fucking cats. Yeah, huh? it's a big cat. cat. <laughs> I don't. You don't want to go over there. There's a cat over big there. It's cat. almost the size of a dog. Wow. It could just be a larger well, cat. No, man, you guys it's know a cat that's too, It's a cat that's too big. It's, no, it's too it's fucking like you, you, big, man. Cats can get kind of large. The big ones. The, the, the big cats. Yeah. I actually am fascinated. By stories of animals that are just too big. <laughs> just too I big. love it. I it's know. just the idea of like a four. We covered this this week. The idea of yeah, a four big, foot tall rabbit. Uh, yeah. I love that type of shit. I love the idea of Thunderbirds. It's just too it's big, man. It's too, too fucking big. big. I agree. <laughs> yeah, of course, that also plays into the goblin universe theory. Mm. Maybe Druid's altar is a doorway into the so-called goblin universe. Ooh. You remember the goblin universe, New don't you, Doug? Cat course. Daddy University. It's in <laughs> the other know. universe. I know all about the goblin universe. <laughs> Knows Russ's experiences with missing time and his meditation sessions at Druid's altar began to converge, he found himself in another abduction scenario, hmm. sitting in the same dentist chair that he'd found himself in the first time. This time, though, 
he was able to see the figures far clearer. At first, I couldn't really see the, the shapes of the heads, but then I knew, I was like, oh, he's hairless. There's something going on there. Mm-hmm. I can't see his bibbidi-bop face. Whoa, so blurry face. Tall men with no hair, mm-hmm. wearing white aprons over blue onesies. A lot of aprons in UFO and alien wear. Well, yeah. I would believe that, especially if they're doing the procedures and their faces are blurry, right? So he can't make them out? Or... Well, no, he can see him. I, he but can't, I see can't see features. He can't see features. He can't see the features like a dream. But let me ask you this. I did see this once, but maybe he confirmed it on Coast to Coast. Were they about 10 feet tall? Yes. Okay. He had several All right. of these. Yes. All right. He said there was an array of sizes. Gotcha. Ten feet at most. He's, okay. like, he's like, one was eight feet there. Another one was a bit of a ten footer. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, even so, it was close to 15 feet oh, of an alien. Oh, they go up to 15. And then the, you could, and that author keeps coming to me like, hey, listen, hey, <laughs> just so you know, but the Berwyn Mountain incident <laughs> was corroborated by several <laughs> different sorts. And then he'd be like, but then, you know, he took me on my motorbike and I don't remember anything else. There's a bright light behind me. And then wow. he's just like, hey. No. Like, it was a cool, <laughs> like, watching everybody fight over a narrative was kind of fun. Yeah. If they did live here, they would probably take just a generation or two to shrink down about a foot and a half, two feet. Oh, yeah, they can do it themselves just by stupid. Mm -hmm. Well, Russ said he felt a prick, which caused him to black out. And when he awoke, there was a pipe in his throat coming out of his mouth attached to a helmet. Cool. Russ said he felt Hmm. as if he was naked and floating. Then he felt himself being sprayed by something that had a strange smell. Sounds like he's in the sack from the Matrix. I find that one of the more compelling things about abductions is people talking about smells. Smells and sounds are really interesting because that's how our brain kind of works with memory, really, especially smells. Mm -hmm. And people always say that because they say grays smell like rancid cinnamon. Yeah. Um, And and the idea of... so specific. It's very specific and it comes up again and again and again. Yes, well, Mrs. Zabrowski, so we've decided that maybe the special classes are for Henry, <laughs> and we think it's going to be great, hey, and he's going to fit right in. The thing is, they thought I was mentally handicapped and because I had a hard time tying my shoes, but then they actually said I was so smart, I was getting distracted. <laughs> I, I could see it. it's a fine line. Sure, it it really all is. of us are towing a fine line. It's just weird line. because it was right between. I could have been in remedial classes, but then all of a sudden I was in gifted classes. So. Wow, awesome! You flipped real fast. There Look you go. Well, as Russ levitated higher, he found that he was in an arena filled with about a hundred other people. Telepathically, he and the others were given instructions for weapons training, cool. battle formations, and other techniques used to fight and kill other humanoids. It's like coneheads. Mm, yeah. That's fun. Oh, yeah. It's very, it's a Neo-like experience. You're right, Ben. After that, Russ floated back down to the ground. And after the throat helmet was removed. <laughs> yeah, that sounds horrible. <laughs> He found he was in a giant room with hundreds of other people listening to orders being barked from a nearby speaker. It's so funny because it's just the diametric opposite of a lot of other alien abduction stories. Mm -hmm. Because most of them, you always get like a screen that shows them the future of the planet and Mm -hmm. being like, you need to stop nuclear war and like that type of shit. This is just being like, no, we're fucking killing them. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's this like, is fucking doom. It's very militarized. It is. No, it just I just imagine like out of the loudspeaker, just gonna be fucking great. <laughs> the same type of tall figures from the dentist chair were also present, and they ordered Russ and the others to drink from a pipe, which produced a pleasant liquid with a citrus-like flavor. However, it caused Russ to vomit, but he was ordered to keep drinking nonetheless. It was okay. drink, bleh, drink, bleh, drink. Ayahuasca, perhaps. Perhaps. Until finally, a mist surrounded everyone in the room. Whoa. Rust became, as he said, very wet. He was wet. Yeah. (laughs) Never. Always be scared of the tall white man. (laughs) Very, very wet. Very wet. Which the tall figure said was necessary to prevent, quote unquote, 
infection. Whatever you say, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Russ then felt very dry. Oh, oh very, dry. very dry. Why was that necessary? Ah, but he also felt pleasant. See, it's about trust. Mm-hmm. Okay. And after drying off, Russ was given a one-piece suit with no zippers or buttons. It simply fastened together around his body as it was put on, like a suit made of unstable molecules. It's like Fantastic Four type shit. Cool. Cool. It's how Marvel like CGI's all explanation of why we have to see everybody's superstar's face in all the movies now, because all the suits are made out of nanomachines. Yeah. Oh, interesting take. <laughs> That's all it is now. If they all have to, all the suits have to be made in a nanomachine so you could see Chris Evans' fucking face. Yeah, but don't you want to see Chris Evans' face? No. Would you prefer no, not Chris to? Evans, no, Captain I America. I want to see a fucking mask. Captain, America, Captain America wears, wears the helmet. Yeah, he's stupid. Yeah, he, he is the, you pick the one superhero There's out of all. There's a lot of actually superheroes that you can see their faces. You, you pick the only one who wears the helmet. I literally shouldn't even fucking, I shouldn't have even brought it up. You can see. Yeah. Ant-Man's dumb. He's small. Yeah, Ant-Man's a stupid character. It's dumb shit. No, Ant-Man's fun. Yeah, the first movie was really good. But you can see most superheroes' faces, actually. Yeah, they, yeah. A lot of them. And the Incredible Hulk, it's still his face. Yeah, technically, it's like just a bigger face. Incredible Hulk, my favorite. I, love I, I do Hulk. like him. I'm, I'm always just angry. inner peace. I just imagine myself. <laughs> Honestly, it's been really helping with me and my blood pressure just hearing this whole story. Just imagining that I'm in a tube filled with other warriors. I got my throat helmet in. I'm ready to <laughs> kill. I don't know what humanoids were killing. I don't know. Because they really haven't specified... Who we're fighting. Not yet. Right. You don't know who you're fighting until you show up. Not yet. Okay. Well, Russ said he felt invincible as the suit cycled through colors from white to yellow to green to blue to black. The suit was, as he put it, unbreakable. Cool. I think. His suits were... Oh, every human suit was unbreakable, right? His narrative can be quite unclear. It is deeply, utterly unclear. But Because this is, again... He's ramping up. This is the first, this is like the, this point in the story is about an hour into the Coast to Coast series that I yeah. saw. And they had not yet gotten to the Berwyn Mountain incident <laughs> and how yeah. all of this was attached to it, yeah. which I can feel the audience listening to us being like, why are we why are here? We here? Yeah, and it's yeah. because Russ Kellett decided to tell the story this way. Because he decides <laughs> that all of this is connect back to the Berwyn Mountain incident. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see, does it? Does yeah. it connect back? We'll see. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see. No, with his uniform fitted, Russ was ordered to pick up a rifle and a helmet. It's cool. Now, at this point, it became clear that Russ was on his way to battle to fight some sort of unknown enemy. Now, this helmet served two purposes. First, commanders could speak through an intercom to the soldiers to issue orders, like a coach to a quarterback. But the helmet also protected human ears from the incredibly loud noises caused by their rifles, which, without the helmet, would have caused their ears to bleed. It's very specific. Mm-hmm. Fully kitted out, the human soldiers were then ordered to walk through portals marked by crystal balls, obvious teleportation machines. Okay. And when they arrived at their destination, they were finally faced with their enemy. Yeah? It was who else? Who? Ten foot tall. Gray green. Yes. Reptilian. It's on the way. Whoa, what is it good for? Killing reptilians. Dude, reptilians. Say it versus, again. Oh. <laughs> reptilians versus Terminator would be one of the greatest movies of all time. There's so many th- ways to expand these franchises. But oh, they just won't do not doing, and I wish that they would. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. But by following orders, staying calm, and relying on their gear, the humans were able to Best the reptilians in battle. Now I'm, and now I'll be that the, the struggling host of Coast to Coast AM, who's just like, <laughs> okay, Russ, that's great, that's great. Now, the, can you just please tell me? So, when did this take place? How long was it? And he was just like, it's all in my dreams. 
It's all, all in your dreams. dreams. Time yet it still happened. It's all in his dreams, just, but it still happened. To be honest with you, I don't think the reptilians would lose. Well, reptilians, again, it depends on... Aren't they like the most intergalactic, no, like if, intergalactical if, war machine? When we type do creatures? our, I'm telling Possibly. you guys right now, we're going to be doing a Bidet Ike series this summer. When we do that, you will see that in order to beat the reptilians, you have to fight them in an almost care bear like way it's, where you're not really, yeah. to be honest, this is not how you fight reptilians. You don't fight them with guns, you fight them with According like, to David Ike. you're supposed to put like flowers in their weapons. You're supposed yeah. to do be like, no man, peace. You're yeah. supposed to fight them with good vibes. Because so, the like aliens... Kylie Jenner in a Pepsi commercial? Yes. Yeah. Because the aliens feed off of our bad vibes. That's why they're here. Well, they're going to have a fucking field day. They ca- yes. they... Oh, they love it. Yeah. They cause all, everything bad that's ever happened is caused by reptilians because oh. reptilians want our bad emotions and also our gold. Well, yes. The yeah, gold is the physical gold. part. They but... can have the gold at this well, point. Well, that's why they made humans to begin with because we were the burrowing race of species that they created in order to dig for gold we so they could use it burrowing for... hands. We got... <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> How fucking dare you? I don't know. I don't but know. No, man. We got hands to operate the equipment. This is the thing that we had. This I is see. the argument right. we had the other day about being at the top of the food chain. Right. We got hands to operate the equipment. That's why we are made with the hands. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yes. They could have also, again, Monsters, Inc. Anything. Flip it. Make it. Turn it to left. What if the reptilians wanted a left? Mm-hmm. They didn't. No, they don't. The Pleiadians wanted our left. Oh, is that right? But Pleiadians also believed in not fucking with us as a species. Technically, we were supposed to not be messed with. We were a, technically, the Earth was supposed to be used as sort of a natural sanctuary within our specific part of the Galactic Empire. But the Reptilians broke that treaty by messing with the species that were on this rock. I didn't see that on Google Earth. (laughs) (laughs) And imagine what kind of life it would be if we left constantly. <laughs> well, no. If you got that's the dopamine, how we live. If you got the uh, dopamine, if you did get the dopamine hit with it, and it wasn't horrible, and yeah, if you were just... laughing at like human genocide, if you were laughing truly at things that are funny, mm-hmm. yes. But it, I do see it could be very imbecilic. Ah, uh, but if everything is funny, is nothing funny? Yes, <laughs> we're back here. That's just. <laughs> Um, I just want to, the Berwyn Mountain yeah. incident actually Please is one God. of the more credible sighting I, experiences, and I really feel that if we look at some of the full information I pulled out. No, it's fairly clear that the people giving orders to Russ Kellett were the tall whites. Okay. But Russ doesn't use that term. No. Instead of using something that's accepted and easy to remember, he calls them... A venti. <laughs> I hate it. It's, it's a, a large coffee. It's a Starbucks joke. <laughs> he calls them the tall, white, bald aliens or the TWBA. He's allowed to. Uh, yeah, this is ufology. But, okay, but they're still tall whites. No, the TWBA. In Russia's, TWBA, I like it. I mean, yeah, it sounds fine. like a wrestling coalition. It does. It does. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Well, Russ nicknamed his TWBA commander Judas and claimed that they were both a part of a platoon called the Omega Regiment whom Russ would fight with throughout his cosmic campaign. Okay. And once the battle with the reptilians was over, because the reptilians aren't the only enemy here. Okay. Russ returned to his barracks where he was transported back to Earth. From what I can tell, though, because it's, again, unclear, I don't think Russ remembered what happened upon his return. Well, yes, because... Later on in the book, he says that he only remembered that all this happened years after it happened, during memory regression. Yes. And oh. up until that point, he thought, I think that he was just having blackouts and weird health problems. Yeah, he just was, he really just didn't stack the story in a way that made a lot of a lot of sense. He jumped right into his war dreams and not into 
the fact that he was suffering from missing time. He was seeing objects in the sky and he said like, you know, one of it was there was hard evidence, quote unquote, hard evidence of him experiencing an episode of going away where he said his buddy saw him stopped at a stoplight in his scooter for five minutes and people were like honking their horn at him and he was just like staring off into space and then he'd come back and be like, sorry there, was it a bit of an intergalactic war there? Yeah. And they're like, great, you know, like yeah. cool, like, but you're do at work. Yeah. If he was, if he right. would have set all that, all of this alien stuff up with that, yes, then quite possibly right. it could be a little more of an interesting story as so far as the paranormal goes. It's interesting. It's very interesting narrative. You just yes. disagree with his outline. You would have just you oh, would have yeah. rearranged the outline. You would rearrange the outline. Yeah, okay, we're great. talking from an editor's perspective here. Sure, maybe he needed one of those. Yeah, I think he did. Yes, indeed. Now, once Russ returned to Earth, he also returned to normal life. He returned to visiting his Nana for tea. He returned to his job, cleaning and repairing overalls for coal miners and other British industrial workers. That's yeah. a great job. That's yeah. good work. I love a good gig. Steady work. Sometime later, though, the TWBA returned while Russ was climbing rocks in an area called Beldon Moor. This time, though. Not a mountain, just climbing on little rocks. And no, it's, 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 England's full of rocks, dude. Okay. Especially on the moors. They it's love like, rocks. Here's a bit, there's a big rock. I'm going to go climb that big rock. Good. I would love to. If I lived in England. You're a climber. I'd, I'd climb those big rocks all the time. I yeah. know. Think Alistair Crowley. That's all he did. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Especially if I could go to a place called Baldun Mar. Baldun Mar. This time, though, that during this battle, it was with the alien greys. And once again, Russ won the battle before being returned to Earth. You can hear that a lot. Nice. Are we back to Gilles de Ray? Mm-hmm. Next, Russ was abducted and sicked on the Green Dragon race, who sort of became the main villains in Russ's story. Interestingly, the dragons had their own human soldiers mm. like Russ, because that's the thing. Russ isn't the only human soldier. It's okay. Russ and a bunch of other dudes that are all fighting other alien races who also have their army of dudes. He really... Wait, this he is, brings up... The Chinese people quite a bit as well. <laughs> I think he does fight. He does talk a lot about. Yeah. It's a, the, yeah. he, he fights many Chinese and yeah. what he calls Slavic people. Is it an allegory for Vietnam? No, it's just no. it's his, his He's brain. just choosing. He's just it, choosing. It's, it's in yeah. his brain. Yeah. Now this, I suppose, implies that each alien race had a treaty of sorts with certain countries, and it was obvious that the TWBA had a treaty with the British. This was seemingly confirmed with Russ when, during one of his abduction battles, he allegedly fought with who else but British pop star Robbie Williams. And Robbie Williams loves this shit. Oh, take that indeed. Yeah. Speaking with the Daily Star in 2020, Russ Kellett claimed that during a 1999 abduction, he saw British singer and well-known UFO believer Robbie Williams during one of his military missions. I bet you this delighted Robbie Williams. I absolutely guarantee it did. I would think so. While waiting in line to go through the crystal ball teleportation device, Kellett said he looked behind him and recognized the young man online. That's as the British say. They don't say inline. They say online. Well, New I'm York neutral. also, they say online as well. Inline, Do online. Yeah. I, don't. I never heard that during the 16 no, years. No, it's, it's online. Really? Say it he again. says it online. That's he a Queens it. thing. I, think I say a, I think it's a Queens thing, and I didn't fuck with Queens it's that much. New York, all of you You're either in it, <laughs> you're not on the line, but I don't. It's, it's just, online for me. It's inline. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> matter. I'm neutral. I'm neutral on most shit. Well, he recognized the young man behind him as who else but former Take That singer Robbie Williams. And this is just after Millennium. This is just after the first solo hit. I That's love hard, me some Robbie. It's yeah. hard to book him after that. Yeah. Oh, man, it's huge. Kellett said that he asked the guy, hey, are you Robbie Williams? And the guy who was allegedly Robbie Williams said, I don't know. 
Yeah, man, he's in a spectral world about to fight a war against fucking reptilians. Yeah. He doesn't know who he used to be. Yeah, and at that point, an alien shouted at Kellett to get back in line. Oh, okay. He said in line specifically. Okay. So you know it's different. Yes, different. Kellett never saw Robbie again, but he was sure that he'd seen Robbie Williams. This is also when he re- finally released some of his footage. Rush Kellett has had his footage hidden for a long time, and he did. A, he had a footage of what was called, quote-unquote, a flying man mm-hmm. that he put up, and it is just kind of like a blob. Some people yeah. call it a flying dolphin. Yeah. Okay. When asked about Kellett's claims, Robbie Williams surprisingly responded. He had a cheeky but non-committal answer. Yeah. He said, no comment. Yeah, he loves Whoa, it. Whoa, no comment is a comment? He loves it. Now, Russ was apparently pretty good at what he did. So he was promoted within the Omega Regiment again and again. This is all Great. inside of his world, man. Yeah. yeah. At one point, it was discovered that Russ had a telepathic ability, which allowed him to feel when the dragon race was teleporting to the different areas of the battle before they materialized And there. I really can't stress this enough. When we talk about it in the book, because there's a lot of witness cooperation to the Berwyn Mountain incident, you would actually be, <laughs> yeah. you would be surprised just how much, yeah. how much real evidence there is yeah. attached to it. Because huh? it does seem like he's just just kind of plucking at any ideas that he has. So he knows Robbie Williams. And then he's like, ooh, Asian people, dragons. And so I don't know. It seems human yeah. in a sense. It does, yeah. But as Russ ping-ponged between Earth and wherever the crystal ball teleporters were taking him for these battles, he began to experience some adverse effects. He started vomiting blood. See, this is interesting because yeah. he did get started getting physically sick. Yeah. And for some reason, traffic lights were giving him panic attacks. Couldn't figure out why. That's why I always blow through them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no matter the damage to his body, the TWBA kept abducting Russ, telling him that he was special, that he was one of them. And pretty soon, Russ began seeing a TWBA looking back at him when he looked in the mirror. Cool. So Ru- Russ, he, he shaved off his head and his eyebrows. Man, that's like, oh, then you start to, good. you turn into sort of like Bjork stalker at that point. <laughs> yeah, kind of little, uh, tear up, tear up the picture of the Pope there. Oh, what yeah. was her name? I love that woman. Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor. Mm-hmm. I hope she's doing okay out I, there. I hope she's doing okay too. Well, this apparently ingratiated Russ to the TWBA, who promoted him to team leader. Oh, oh. Uh-huh. did he get a little, does he get a plaque? <laughs> well, this, of course, gave Russ even more confidence when he battled and defeated a smaller blue-colored dragon race who used Eastern Europeans as their human support soldiers. The Polish? <laughs> the Polish are a little blue people. That's us. All right? We are with sturdy people. We're sturdy. We're good for an alien war. I, I wish to, more people would use us. I want to be with the dragons, to be honest with you. That's like, I think that they're probably going to win. There's a new a new Top Chef. There's a Polish woman who won Top Chef Poland. Man, she's fucking trucking, dude. She's a real, she's like, I'm a potato lady. Oh. I keep saying, I'm a potato lady. And I was like, you are. I love she you, potato lady. She is a potato lady. But seemingly because Russ was so fucking good at what he did, he found that the alien attacks began to spill out into his hours on the earthly realm. Okay. One night, he said he was chased by a silver ball while he was riding his motorcycle. But thanks to Russ's awesome motorcycle skills, the ball gave up and flew away off into the sky. Very phantasm. Mm -hmm. It's a huge book. (laughs) <laughs> it sounds like it. The next day, however, it was found that Russ's face was red and splotchy. See, this is it. I see this. Yeah. Mm. And when he went to the doctor, he was asked if he'd been near anything giving off heavy radiation. Mm. He kept his mouth shut, however, and his face healed in two weeks, despite the continuation of blood vomit, stomach pain, and fatigue. Yeah, he was mad because we went to the doctor and the only guy I gave him was a bunch of cream. Yeah. Yeah. Well, doctors always don't have the answers. No, no, they no. don't want to hear. Well, they don't. 
They don't want to hear the whole story. I think doctors are actually very bitter these days because they don't make as much money as YouTubers. <laughs> I actually have been thinking about that. I think they're angry. They're very angry. Yeah. I've, I've been trying to figure out my problems. Like I, I've had yeah. to like go through a lot of really angry, bitter doctors who yeah. have given up. I think completely that, yeah, because they're not still all of them like have. I, I, got a couple, I got a couple of fantastic doctors yeah. now, but a lot of them have given up. I think they just get really upset. With oh, the yeah. Modern especially when you come state. in and you're like, you have a sunburn and you're like, I'm a part of the hidden Estuary and all. <laughs> right, right. You're like, listen, dude, I just got a fucking. You know how many assholes I have to look at today? <laughs> but this is the you 70s. Have any idea how oh, many, no, this is I the 90s. To, yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is the 90s. Yeah. Maybe they were a little happier then. Maybe. Well, we were all a little happier. Yeah, then, Bill Clinton we? was rocking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, blowing that saxophone. We were talking before yeah. for recording with innocent scandals when it was just about sticking yeah. a cigar in a woman and, and then going to the McDonald's that. all the time. They ruined her in Kosovo. Oh, yeah. Kosovo. Not, not, yeah. Not, not I'm always thinking of Kosovo. That lipstick factory that we blew up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some scandals we're there. Down yeah. in Florida Keys, <laughs> there's a place <laughs> called Kosovo. <laughs> That's where it, we want to go to get away from it all. I can't wait until I'm fucking 50, bro. When I am fucking 50, dude. It's a nonstop Margaritaville music, nonstop good time tunes, dude. Thank you. Just spilled coffee all over. Yes, that's <laughs> part. Of, that's, that's part of Margaritaville. That is spilling coffee, is spilling iced coffee all over yourself right after you sing Kokomo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who cares? That's the goal. Yeah. Well, as his sickness got worse, Russ said he was visited by a 15 foot tall shadow man who appeared in his bedroom at night. So we got dragons. We got shadow people. We got tall whites. No, we got little. We got he's little. He's got the whole fucking cast okay. of aliens. All right, well. cool. He's the menagerie man. Well, this shadow man placed images of war into Russ's head. Horrific scenes of people dead in the streets. Perhaps some sort of psychological warfare? <laughs> Perhaps. After more blood vomit, though, Russ was taken to hospital where he recovered. But once he was better, that's when the TWBA came back. So you got to go back to the front line. You, you know, can't throw up that much guy. blood. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Let him out. Is there a way to get out? Uh, I know your pension. I don't think there's reserves. This whole thing no? is involuntary, and it's about this time that he's realizing that he's being used. The TWBA wow. are using him. Every using soldier else. does have that moment. Oh mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Well, once in their custody, the TWBA introduced Russ to a fellow telepath named Mandy, who said that the Dragon Race had put out a bounty on all telepaths. In case you didn't know, <laughs> they've been coming for all telepaths. So that's how I. But I knew it. You know why? How? I'm a telepath. <laughs> I'm just one of those, you know, I, I'm extra sensitive, and I, it's the reason why I can't work. Yeah, <laughs> I, I totally understand. It's emotionally difficult to do anything. I hear your thoughts, and I know you just want to fuck me. Mm. No, I actually was just thinking I about I know Madden. what you're thinking I about how all about you want to do is push my little piggy body out. <laughs> no. And I know you just want to come on the back of my head, you filthy pervert. And guess what? You're allowed. No, well, thank you. I just lost a fucking real uh, close game to the Raiders Another wish granted by Mandy the telepath. Thanks, Mandy. <laughs> I really wish that people understood the simplicity of my brain just slightly better. Yeah. <laughs> it's complex, but difficult. Well, the telepath, uh, complex, but quite difficult. Yes, it's both of those things. <laughs> yes. Like a truly good breakfast sandwich. Oh, interesting. God, I miss. That's the actually that's the only thing I miss from New York. Hank's oh, bagels, oh, yeah, breakfast sandwiches. Dude, I, you're Hank's lying. Y'all are all lying yourselves with Hank's bagels. I'm sorry, but I just assigned, <laughs> No, well, he is a bagel, but yes. I do understand that. No, 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 no. But, just breakfast sandwiches. Breakfast not sandwiches. Not yeah, even no, bagels, I'm with you. Just breakfast sandwiches. Got to make your own. Yeah, I there's, a, there's a place that I found. I'll let you know about it. Thank you. Yeah, don't blow yeah. them up because I want to find it. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate. Yeah, that's why you let me know off air, right? Thanks. I appreciate that. My God, I lost my place thinking about breakfast sandwiches. I, know, I love <laughs> breakfast sandwiches. <laughs> Starving. Mm. Yeah. Well, perhaps 
This hunting of telepaths? Could that have been the mission of the Silver Ball? All right, now oh. we're finally back. We're finally <laughs> okay. back to yeah. the Berwyn Mountain now incident. We're finally, like, this is a, And I remember, too, in the episode being like, Jesus fucking Christ. And right. then it finally, I was just like, oh, all right. Yeah, because I was just like, what we're am back. I even listening? Well, after returning to Earth, Russ was teleported to Mars to battle a Wait. much larger orange dragon race. The, just oh, the, the larger orange dragon race. Yeah, much larger orange dragon race. And this okay. is after he got the special implants installed in his eyes that showed the map of the battleground. It's a whole thing. Did, yeah. Okay. Great. But he won again. Good. He got to. Yeah. Seems like he's undefeated. He's like 6-0 and at this point. Yeah. But in his next battle, Russ and the rest of Omega Regiment were pitted against the White Dragon race. Oh. The White Dragons, according to Russ, are the most dangerous of all the enemies. Yeah, so they're cross burnings and fucking white robes? I don't no. know. That's what they call the Grand Wizards. No, I know. Yeah. I thought they were called the Cyclops. I don't fucking it's know what those garbage. nerds call themselves. Well, from how the TWA put it to Russ, the White Dragons used humans for slave labor and sex slavery. We're horrible at work. Yeah, but... Uh, we're good but at automating. And fucking. Yeah, we're, yeah, we can do the sucking and fucking, but honestly, these aliens need to automate. Yeah. I mean, I suppose... I mean, really, the big reason is that we're apparently very much disliked by the rest of the galaxy. Um, uh, everyone really just dis like just really don't like us. Well, if you, you get into all the Galactic Empire stuff, they always say that we're backwoods area. Yeah, that we're far away from everybody. Sure, we're Come only good for working and fucking. Which is honestly, thank you. Yes, please. <laughs> Come get us. Let's go. <laughs> this is perhaps statements like that the reason why they hate us. Who cares what they think? <laughs> I'm me. Yeah. And if they can't handle me at my worst, then they don't deserve me in my sex slavery. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Because I will fucking suck. I know yeah, you will. I'll do what I, mean, I can do. That's the one thing you'll fucking get me in there. I mean, we may not Doing be good for certain. We may not be good workers, but we got fun holes. Yep. Absolutely, we mm -hmm. do. Stretch them out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now the white dragons were flanked by Chinese soldiers. Always, but Russ once again prevailed and prevailed again and again throughout several more battles. Wow, including one against the TBBA, the tall blue bald alien. He's just got. He comes up with a lot of different ideas. He now, does. Before that battle, however. Russ said he participated in a ceremony, kind of a pump-up pep rally, where he heard this rousing speech given by an alien, I think a TWBA, that he paraphrased in his book, Henry, If You Will Please. And it starts with, man, I feel like a woman. Today, we stand together as one to fight our enemies. Some time ago, it was found of a plan to destroy my home planet along with my race, and to move on to all the other planets in the goddamn universe. We can get some patent music going on here. Our scientists and technical departments have been working nonstop to prevent the catastrophe, which would amount to what you have seen so many times before mm -hmm. in your history as genocide. We are not a warring race, even though that's all we seem to be doing. <laughs> yeah, it does seem to be pretty common and popular. But some of our race chose to stand and fight and fight alongside you and hope to end this war once and for all. Go now to end this war. This is our independence day. There it is, Bill Pullman coming through. Okay, not the most uproarious speech, no, but I go, just go say now to end this world. It's certainly not General Patton, no. No, 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 no. And if I could just get you to just read through the Berwyn Mountain Incident book, if you could just look at it and understand, you know, there's a lot of other details. We love Russ. We love Russ's energy. We love what right. Russ brings to the table. But like, Blood you could really... 
blood vomit. I he like came back that. and started vomiting up blood. You like that? Now I got I mean, your I attention like, again. Well, you're not tangible evidence. Yeah. But then he was just like, it came down to it. He's like, if I only got a doctor to diagnose me with something, he said it was straight up fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fibromyalgia. <laughs> <is> chronic <laughs> fucking malaysia. <laughs> I don't know. He's, all right. He said that after all of these. <laughs> it's fibromyalgia. I'm actually wars. just so pissed off. <laughs> I actually do feel yeah. like for all of you suffering from fibromyalgia, maybe this is the time for you to ask your doctor. Am I a sniper in a war with the white dragon alien racist? Ask. Am I a time traveling telepath? Just think about it for a second, will and you maybe wait? that will fix your problem. Do wait. I have teleportation sickness? Wait until your fucking doctor says yes. Just go to Indianapolis now. Yeah. Well, a couple more battles followed against some ten foot tall Egyptians with red skin and black hair. Some of them had bull heads. Some of them had horse heads. I think he just said Egyptian because they look like hieroglyphics. Sure. Uh, those creatures fought alongside the greys. Uh, the, the Nordics were there. Oh, six great. foot tall with long blonde hair. Always, of course, he doesn't yeah. call them the Nordics. Uh, but with that victory, Russ apparently, cosmic campaign over. He's done. Flawless victory. Mission accomplished. No I mean, the defeats. Not a single defeat. Does he address that in no. the Coast to Coast? How no, he, he doesn't. No, does, no, no, no. Has, he he does honestly, not he's not braggadocious. He's not braggadocious. When it comes to the actual, no. he talks about his kind of his abduction experiences. But when it comes to this full on alien war stuff, every single time he brings it up, the author steps in. Yeah. Literally goes like, but that's not really what we're really here to discuss today. Like he's, because he keeps trying. He's like, they would be surprised. To they would say there's no atheists in a foxhole, but what if everybody's a been alien? You know, and you're <laughs> like, I just, I, we're all just like, okay, Russ. Yeah. But that's not where his story ended. If we extrapolate from his 1999 experience with Robbie Williams, it seems like Russ founded the Bradford Research Network UFO group in the early 2000s, I think. So this is when, yes, he started mm-hmm. really getting into legit UFO research because th- when all of these things were happening, he was growing more and more obsessed with UFOs and he made it his entire life. Yeah. Well, this is, of course, before, long before Russ realized that he was an intergalactic telepathic hero. Oh. Yeah. So he spent years following up on reports called into this hotline, like the incident in which several children in Pembrokeshire, 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 saw a flying saucer along with a humanoid in a silver suit. Because Margaret Fry never actually wrote a full book based on this event. And she was the one that did a lot of the legit hardcore ufological yeah. nuts and bolts research that we kind of like pull a very grounded story from. That's a very, why they think of this as the Roswell's, the Wales version of Roswell. But Russ jumps in to reinvigorate this story yeah. with a bunch of new shit. So this is after the fact, this is many, many years. Cause I don't think the, the book came out, I think in 2014 mm-hmm. that they're talking about. Pretty recent. And he, he brings it all back around to this other reporter. There was a freelance reporter that wrote the book with him that basically was like, Oh, this is a huge story we need to talk about. And as he was doing it, Russ Kellogg gave him all this good information on the Berwyn mountain incident. And eventually started to slide in. You know, I'm an alien infantry member. Mm. And he's just like, okay, <laughs> right. go well, right. Yeah, and then you're you're fucked because yes. this is your guy now. Yes. That's your guy. And at any point, does it turn anti-Semitic? No. Wow. Thankfully, it doesn't. He doesn't. Wow. Yeah. Just yeah. a bit anti-Chinese. Ma- no, it gets the dips I, I, I wouldn't say it's anti-Chinese. He just might, he might use the wrong word to refer to the Chinese every once in a while, but it's not necessarily anti because he said he mentions many, many races. Yeah, he said they were unwitting humans Uh that were brought into an alien galactic conference. Boom, okay, But at least it's not anti-Semitic. Very impressive. 
Well, eventually, though, Russ began hearing about something strange that had happened decades before on January 23, 1974, around the Berwyn Mountains in Wales. Russ began his own investigation, starting with interviews of old-timers at the local pub. Great. Not a bad place to start. No. Very fun. There, he found one witness who said that 100 soldiers had been in the streets of the village on the night in question. They're not prone to exaggeration. Yeah. Other witnesses joined in, saying that they'd seen a UFO get hit by a missile that was fired from a jet fighter. Awesome. And supposedly possible physical evidence of a kind of this, of a kind from this battle uh, was produced. Ooh, that's a fa- I love that idea of just a nice warm pub, everyone drinking their little drinks. Saying alien stories? Yes, yeah, saying alien stories. Well, his oh, main, shit. he got yeah. clued into a story of a group of guys saying that they saw a UFO and dudes packing shit up yeah. on the side of a road. Okay. And that's what, kind of where it all started. And then he got really obsessed with the Berwyn Mountain incident because and he traced it from there. The problem is, is that, you know, a lot of guys... They want to get involved in the story. Mm-hmm. You know what sure. I mean? They want to say yeah. something that's fun and interesting. They want to one-up their mate. You know, so it is, I don't know what kind of what came out after the fact, but it's, right. he started piling together other sightings that were happening in the same months. It's good pub tale. It is. And so Russ began putting together a timeline. Two sets of witnesses said that they saw a jet fighter shoot down a UFO. And a group of men, as Henry said, uh, they saw, supposedly, a landed UFO surrounded by greys carrying weapons and carrying an injured comrade at the same time. Another couple said they encountered a, quote-unquote, injured frogman. Although I'm not sure if they mean a frogman in the sense of the lost O.J. Simpson TV pilot, the frogman, or (laughs) an actual man who is a frog. I'm pretty certain it's a man I who is see. a frog. It's a, and it's not like a Navy SEAL because those are called no. frogmen. No, frog no, 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 no. I yeah. think it's just a frog-shaped <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. and he, Which, again, I think is quite prevalent in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Russ extrapolated and concluded, I think, that the cosmic war that he was involved in had spilled over to the Earth and Berwyn Mountain was the highly visible result. Again, that's okay. Russ Kellett's world. We're all just living in it. We're yeah. living in and it. I, I understand it. I just find I love jumping into a, a, the side quests inside of the minds of the people that are in our UFO stories. But you know, the core of the story is still very interesting. The mm. Borwin Mountain incident. There was a lot of corroborating evidence around it, and then you just wonder whether because abductees. They deal with very intense, large, like, kind of mythos that they're dropped in the middle of. Yeah. But I don't know what that is. I don't know whether or not, like, when we experience something anomalous like that, we then also connected deeply into the collective unconscious. And then we're experiencing the memories of soldiers. And I, like, I find that that could be credible. And but- it's, just as, it's just as hard to fight in the war, isn't it? Just to experience the memories, huh? Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. If I just... go back to any Vietnam vet, you're homeless. You don't have any money. Well, I fucking know what you're going through, bro. Because <laughs> yeah. I watched Apocalypse Now. I saw it. that film. I mm-hmm. saw that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, I love, I love this, this story. story. It's good. It's good and deep. But this month, we're gonna get into a lot of other shit. We yeah, got... we are. We're gonna get. We're gonna get in some weirder, weirder stuff. We're doing some general weirdness next week. A little Ooh. bit of shorter topics because we're about to do a big old Mama Jama history series. Big, big, which, big. Which I'm very excited for. Massive. But then we're doing, um, we're going to get into a little blood before that, because I know some yes. of you are bloodthirsty. Yeah, you absolutely are. Of course, there's a 
never never enough blood there for some people um okay also april 16th i'm going to be at the uh, levity live so that'll be fun so check that out and then we have the pack theater that's going to be for um, uh april 19th i'm going to be doing classy night out you can classy check that out on eventbrite you can look that up april 19th but also we've got last comic book on the left volume yeah. three yeah. it is available it's no i think it's is it pre-order deal again no i believe we're ready to go i think we're ready to go here you go and you order it last comic book on the left over at z2comics.com yeah. check it out we a lot of good work went into it we're starting already to build number four very fun and I'd also like to uh, thank our friend Grant Gordon and his lovely oh, wife, Ashley, Ash. uh, for teaching me how to say horrible ha in a wonderful oh, Long Island way. Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> we'll give credit where credit is due. Thank you all so much for listening. Thanks for supporting all the shows here on Last Podcast Network. And thanks for supporting the little serious shows that we do as well. Yeah, check them and, out. Uh, yes, check out everything. We'll keep you entertained in these crazy, interesting, unique times. Mm -hmm. Okay, everyone. Anything else, boys? No, sir. Hell yourself. Hell Satan. Hogan. Congratulations. Hell me, you dirty little piggies. Go fight that goddamn war. Yeah, you go to sleep and you fight the war in your dreams, all right? You quit fighting war in real life because that's really hurting people. But in your dreams, you always win. Yeah. I love that. That's actually pretty nice. Fight really? the war of your dreams. Oh, yeah. That's going to totally... That's going to stop all the war. Yeah. Yep. You I just it. fixed it. You hey. did it. Start the thought virus here. Call NATO. <laughs> all right. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.